Welcome, everyone, to Marvelous or the Death of Cinema. On this episode, I was going to say Battle Angel Alita, but it's Alita Battle Angel. Alita Battle Angel. Uh, I'm Stu. Uh, what's up, everybody? It's Nicole. Hi. I'm I'm Cole Netscape, and I would like to introduce our amazing guest we have for this episode. This episode basically only exists because I really wanted to get this person on for an episode. We have uh, Esther Field Feld. Woo! How do you sell it? How do you sell it? <laughs> 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 Thank you for having uh, me. Who and and this is a first. Wait, Esther, did you not uh, on, want your full like er, full name on on the internet? I, I'm sure it's not it's not going to be that bad. Okay, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> M- Miguel, just bleep it, and it'll sound like Cole saying like Esther fuck. Yeah. Uh, AKA Twitter, uh, Twitter user uh, Cappy Baroness, also also uh, Cappy Baroness on Letterboxd, right? I don't know, probably. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. Uh, but more importantly, uh, Esther has the uh, amazing distinction, because in the first time in podcast history, uh, our Patreon bonus episodes and other public bonuses where we're like, we're watching a good movie for once, notwithstanding. This is the first time we have done a movie that I think we all think is, if if not at the very least, pretty good, like, amazing. I, I <laughs> thought it was good and you all loved it. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I, think, I think this episode, more than anything, proved that we need to get Stu on mood stabilizers. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, I've tried sertraline and it it, it it didn't make me any happier. It just made it so I couldn't come. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah. Well, actually, okay. was the was the Snyder episode a main a main episode or was that, yeah that was a main, yeah, that was yeah. a main episode. I guess, but I, I, guess, I think I guess if we were to do like a per, I think if we were do like an app, like if we were to like. Uh, theoretically, uh, Stu, I know you didn't score this on Letterboxd, uh, but I, I think we were collectively to, to round out an average. If if there was a critical sort of Marvel appraisal, this would probably have the highest score of everything we've done. E- yeah, probably. Yeah, that isn't Cemetery Man. Yeah. yeah. That, that isn't Cemetery Man. That isn't fucking Robocop or Verhoeven. No, this is... I am so I am so glad we watched this. This would probably hold the throne for the best movie we've watched that wasn't that was released in theaters, uh, probably until the Batman episode. But I know I know Stu's going to be like, actually, the Batman is bad, and and no, I like no, the he's Batman. Gonna, oh, you did like the Batman? Yeah, he's gonna yeah. Th- look at look Fuck, at okay. Zoe Kravitz in that. Oh yeah, like, there's that's a movie with clearly everything for everyone, okay. which is why I'm holding off on watching so it it'll, until it, for the podcast. It'll it'll hold the hold the throne for a good like three goddamn years because this was a goddamn amazing. I mean, you uh, you loved this. I I really loved this, but I, I like Esther. This is like your favorite yeah. film. I'm gonna let of all I'm gonna time def- and defer to our guest. Yeah, this is this is the queen of 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 Alita <laughs> Battle Angel. I checked how many times you've logged it since it came out, and I don't. They're they're favorite <laughs> movies of mine. I have not even seen this much. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's up to like ten or something. Like, I get it by my last count. I rewatched it just a couple oh, months I, ago. I, I totally get it too. This this feels like I kind of already want to rewatch it. 
Like there's there's yeah. there's scenes that are like sticking with me because I feel like I watched a real movie. <laughs> I, I saw I this movie if... in theaters six times. Holy shit! Wow! Holy Jesus. shit! That is, I, I saw this movie. I saw it on a whim, just like after work one day. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna like you know, what's out this weekend? Oh, this like Alita thing. I think it was literally like the the, the first Thursday preview showing. Just it was like right after I got out of work, I went and saw it. And I was like, oh, whatever, I'll see this. And it fucking like just blew my mind how much I liked it. And then I just kept going back because I had like the AMC A-list. So I just had the reservations. And I just kept going back to see it just over and over again for like a month and yeah. a half. That that was me to a lesser extent with like Promare, where it's just like, I know I just saw this like the day before yesterday, but I, I already want to see it. That like that kind of like, I love when a movie gives you that kind of like hold on you and so it, it's 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 really nice that this is going to be an episode where uh this is going to be sort of uh, you know not us shit talking a bad movie that's lazy and uh doesn't do anything interesting but but something that has a personal connection with people uh the, oh uh, my which god is why dude, i'm glad I we was write one misty eyed through the entire first like 30 minutes of this movie i <laughs> It was insane. Oh, I I got teary. I got teary too. The the Nicole crybaby hour because uh, and Cole, I know you watched it. Uh, I I had seen the the original video animation, which I like a lot. Uh, I like this 1993. a lot better, actually. I I I do. I like I like the live action one because it's a it's a full movie and not a truncated yeah. story in less than fifty five minutes. But I completely forgot the way that the the animation ends and so when it got to the end of this movie i was like hitting i felt like i was hitting the fucking back of the head and i was like oh fucking oh god no oh no (laughs) i just started like a a tear ran down my face no unlike the uh, ova this is a truncated two-hour story it works a lot better though, because it, this uh, low key. I haven't I haven't seen yeah. the OVA yet, but I, I read the manga stack. right before I watched this. Uh, so I'm going to yeah. be that guy wanna, for this episode. Do we do we want to do we want to maybe start from there, just a, about sort of the source material? I think that would be a good idea because uh, we've before we talk about really in depth like this movie, we kind of have to answer the question: What is Alita Battle Angel? Yeah. Who are these characters? Uh, uh, okay, so I, I feel like in terms of comparing with the manga, it'll just be kind of like as we go through the movie, I'll, I'll just pop in with highlights because there's okay. a lot of core elements are still there. They're just they're rearranged a lot. Um, although there's a couple big changes. I do. Oh, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to know who made it and when. So uh, uh, Ito, Alita. Yugo. No, no. I, or... uh, Yukito, Yukito Kishiro. Uh, oh, uh, wrote and drew the original um, manga from 1990-1995, although there's various continuation series. I haven't read those yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original manga was called uh, uh, transliterated uh, it's Ganmu, although it was written as G-U-N-N-M uh, which was a portmanteau of the, the characters for Gun in Dream. 
the the title Battle Angel Alita was an invention of the original translators of the first uh, translated release in the States. They kind of uh, so was the character name Alita. Uh, she was originally known as Gally or Gary because you know it's got an ambiguous LR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kept in the video animation that her that her name is Gally and not Alita. Is, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I actually I didn't know if that was like a um, that it was going to be revealed because. I had no idea, you know. I haven't, I haven't read the series. You had, you were not prepared. Not you were pre- not prepared. Not you prepared. didn't even look up who plays Vector, and you apparently screamed. Uh, well, well, there's that. But when I was watching the OVA, I was like, I assumed that the reveal was going to be that, like, her, like, actual, like, pre, pre being found in the rubble name was Alita, and then like everyone was just calling her Galley as like a. Uh, this is who you are to us, you know, kind of thing. Her, uh, her, her pre being found in the rubble name's Yoko. Oh. Yeah, that's that's in. There's like a couple feature because I rented a copy from the library. Uh, and they they for once there was some featurettes on there, and there's like one that's like a uh, like a visual sort of uh, animatic about the backstory, and they explain. So that that is even though it's not in the movie itself, that is in the DNA of the live action movie that uh, she was, yeah, like a, a 17 year old girl whose brain is transplanted into a, a, a cyborg uh, to, so to fight cool. f- for Mars. That, for Mars. Yeah. She's, she's a, and, and she's like a zealot too. Uh, the bit you see of, at least in the original run, uh, I think there's more flashback stuff later, but she, she is like hardcore committed to Martian independence. I love shit like that. Like whenever they, whenever like the only, you know, they have sci-fi and they have interplanetary travel, but they just have like the moon and Mars, you know, I'm a big fan of like that kind of like very local, local sci-fi. Yeah. I I mean, I haven't read the follow-up series, but it is, I mean, they're the, the manga is still, at least in that original run, ambiguous it's it's vague about a lot of the details like mm-hmm. actually people in the movie know a lot more of their history than they do in the manga that's like, similar it's like- similar to the ova it sounds like because uh yeah none of the none of the flashback sequences mm. are in the ova it is it is every everything in the ova is in the movie it is basically. it is but i mean like they uh they know a little bit more from the beginning in the like I don't even think they talk about the fall at all in the OVA. Yeah. No, they don't. They're, they don't. Yeah, cuz the, there isn't the, the, the fall video, in, in the manga. animation. No. Exactly. Um there was a war. It was just a massively destructive war, but uh, Oh yeah, that's what they it, Isn't that what they call the war is the fall? Not in the not in the, okay, not in the translation I read. Yeah, I, 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 I read a more recent translation. Um in the movie, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in the in the manga, there's no. I mean, we're getting off track here with the intro. But there's like there's there's no like other sky cities. I don't think there was just uh, Salem. Gotcha. Uh, and then there was just kind of a war between Earth and Mars and these other kind of solar system colonies that was just massively destructive. Um, but they just they refer to everything before their current time period as like the old century or the last century. Okay. Um, that makes sense. It's, that that tracks. At least in the translation I read, the '90s translation, I don't know. Some of the terms in the movie might have come from that. Can't speak to that. Um, yeah. To um, one of the 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 whole reason this movie exists really is is I mean obviously the manga, but it was the fact that uh, it, 
Sometime either in the late 90s or early 2000s, uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro showed James Cameron the the animation for this, which is just uh, the English title for it is... Uh, uh, Ganmu, Gunmu. I think. Something Gun- like that. I don't know how to yeah. pronounce it. Gunmu? Ganmu? Uh, Gunmu? I, I read it as Gunma, but Battle Angel. Before we talk about the history of the production, we should probably give a summary of the. Yeah, uh, Esther, do you or, or uh, Esther, do you want to give the summary? Because this is this is your movie of the movie specifically. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, just off the top of the head. Yes, yeah. take take yeah, we, the we call take the mic. The, we call it the concise plot summary because we're going to interrupt you every thirty seconds and it'll take half the episode. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I'm, I didn't even do drugs before this episode. I'm, I'm locked in. I'm professional. Um, all right. So the movie starts. The movie starts like hundreds of years after this, you know, ambiguous apocalyptic event, this big war called the Fall, um, and this, uh, you know cyborg doctor he's not a cyborg but he's sort of a doctor for cyborgs called dyson ito um played by christoph waltz is like looking through a scrapyard for parts he can use and he finds the sort of head and torso of this uh you know uh very humanoid robot which has a you know functional brain but is like unconscious and he takes her back to his like clinic and gives her this body that he's had lying around, which we learn about later. Um, and she wakes up and she has no memories of a- absolutely anything. She doesn't even remember her own name. Um, so Newborn he gives baby. her the name Alita for again, for reasons we find out later. Um, and she is just like bowled over by the, uh, you know, new sights and sounds of the world that she thinks she's experiencing for the first time. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's dogs, she, chocolate. She meets a cute dog. Um, she, a cute boy. A cute, a cute boy. She, she meets a cute boy who's uh, who's <laughs> you know a, a bit of a contentious character um, in the film. His name is Hugo. He's the love interest. You know he's uh, he's a classic James Cameron style uh, love interest. He's uh, got like the swoopy hair. Uh, vo- voiced importantly, and I I want to make note of this. Uh, Miguel, get a sound bite ready voiced in the original video animation by spike spencer uh shinji ikari himself and most of the voice cast for that uh animation is just the evangelion cast uh miguel play a play a clip as uh spike as hugo forget it i'm never going back to that filthy garbage heap I, I i don't want to i don't want to let this interruption go on too long but it was probably uh due to uh, if I had to guess, there was I forget who did the, it was it ADV or was it was ADV? It, it was ADV, ADV that did the the original Evangelion dub, and there were only like straight up two companies like that even yeah. that were like, yeah, oh, yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna take Japanimation and 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 put it in Blockbuster. Uh, I think uh, I don't. Stu would pretty probably much know yeah, more from about that uh than i would but yeah no the, it, straight up it was just like the they were like the house boys for for adv they're like all right let's get fucking <laughs> tiffany grant in here yeah she's in there somewhere but anyways esther uh continue yeah right. sorry about that. um no that was my bad no it's okay so somewhere um you know along the way as as alita's learning about the city she's in iron city which is um you know this very like a uh, diverse environment because it's sort of like the last human city, the last place that people are actually living in a society. Um, 
you know, she's learning about her surroundings, but she's noticing that her surrogate father, Dyson Ito, keeps mysteriously sneaking out at night with an enormous fucking hammer in his hands. <laughs> and he keeps- And a pilgrim hat. <laughs> a, a, a rocket hammer. Yeah, and he keeps returning home covered in blood. And there's rumors of like a cyborg serial killer on the loose. Um, and the movie leads you to believe that Ito is the serial killer. Um, so one night, Alita sneaks out after him and follows him into an alley. And it seems like he is, you know, tracking down his prey. But it turns out, um, actually, he is a hunter warrior, which is sort of a, uh, you know, officially federally recognized bounty hunter. Um, who goes after, you know, uh, terrible criminals and, and collects the bounty on them. He does this secretly. Um, and Alita sort of catches him in the middle of this ambush with these terrible evil cyborgs, including this huge guy named Gruishka. Um, it's, it's, and look, he, it's Rorschach. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's oh, I, I should probably interject here. I don't know if we actually covered it, but there's... To, to zoom out at the whole setting, which is established kind of visually right at the start, there's a big city in the sky called oh, yes. Zalem hanging off of like a pillar that stretches up out of orbit. And then it just drops all of this junk on this like uh, scrap city that is just made up of it provides all the raw resources and then lives off the leftovers. Um, yeah. And it's it's kind of a libertarian paradise to. The, the city and its factories don't really provide any services or policing other than just putting up bounties for the handful of crimes that might threaten their uh, their functioning. And Hugo really wants to go to Zalem. That's like his his main goal, mm-hmm. even though it's, you know, it's said nobody ever from from Iron City ever gets up there. Um, and we'll, we'll learn we'll learn later what he's doing to get there. Um but in this encounter with with these bad guys in Gruishka, Alita unlocks this memory from her, you know, previous life as a Martian shock trooper, and um, she sort of, sort unconsciously begins to uh, perform this fighting style called Panzerkunst, which is Panzerkunst. I, in the manga, yeah. it's I think I don't know if they say this in the movie, but in the manga, it's specifically uh, a martial art that was developed to fight cyborgs. Yeah, in, um, in the yeah in the manga, it is. It's the cyborg martial art. It's the ult- It's very much like Fist of the North Star or something. It's the ultimate shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she like you know all of a sudden starts doing these crazy moves and she defeats them all and you know she kills two of them. Which by the way, awesome fucking like one of oh, the, the gnarliest PG thirteen are- movies ever. <laughs> the the fight scenes in this. Mop the fucking floor with anything in the MCU. No, the the, the this the, in this scene, she like the the evil female robot. She like kicks her head off, and it just like sticks to the wall, like bleeding oh, green was... robot blood, and slowly love... slides yeah. down. A robot who's just like, made shit. of knives. I love She's that, made uh, of knives. I love that this movie uses the fact that they have like that that all the gore is like robots with blue blood to just get really fucking nasty with it, like. Well, you, yeah, it's, it's, you, you it's have to because the manga is yeah. pretty nasty. So they're they're pushing that PG-13 as hard as they can, yeah. which yeah. I, I appreciated. Um, so, you know, Alita, because she is, you know, great at fighting, she says, I want to be a hunter warrior like like Dr. Ito. Uh, but he says, no, you can never be. Um, and he reveals to her that the reason he had this body is because he had a child with, the, you know, his his former uh, his ex-wife, Dr. Shiren, slowed by Jennifer Connelly, who's sort of like at this point in the movie, like kind of an ambient presence on on, on like the margins of the plot. Um, they had a kid whose name was Alita. Um, and, you know, she was born paralyzed. And, 
Ido had built her this robot body, which is like, you know, incredibly intricately detailed with like these yeah. gold, you know, vines. It's like porcelain. Stuff. Yeah, it is. It's like a porcelain doll. Um, so and that they, is, they call it the doll body, I think, and like behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and that is the body that he gave Alita because one day, mm-hmm. you know, just some crazy guy broke into his clinic and uh, killed his daughter. Um, and, you know, he's he's sort of kept this body around ever since. So Alita is literally he's treating her as like this, his surrogate daughter in a very literal sense. Um, so, of course, he says, no, you can't be a hunter warrior. It's like insanely dangerous. Uh, so she sort of pouts. But, you know, initially she's uh, she, she doesn't pursue it yet. She's still pursuing Hugo. Uh, they go see this motorball game, uh, which is like um, how to describe it. This, this future sport. It's like it's rollerball with cyborgs that are custom yeah, built it, for it. But it's also like. It's in the same way that like a rugby and hockey are like, you know, half the fun is just waiting for a fight to break out. That's kind of yeah. the deal with motorball. Is yeah. Like, you know, ostensibly they're there to like score points, but really you're going there to see the crazy like robots beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They smash each other to pieces because because cyborg bodies, like as long as the brain survives, everything else is interchangeable. So they just get smashed to pieces and rebuilt. Um, yeah. Or, or NASCAR, actually. <laughs> <laughs> And this is where we learn um, that Hugo is secretly working for a guy named Vector, who's played by Mahershala Ali, who is like the sort of main go-between between Iron City and Zalem. Like he is, he sort of positions himself as like the one guy who's in contact with people up there. And so he is like the crime boss of the city. And he it, is, yeah, yeah, he is like coerced Hugo and his friends to um, kidnap and like dismember cyborgs to take their parts um, you know, and also just to do various jobs for him saying like, oh, once you've, you know, earned enough credit with me, I'll send you up to Zalem. Um, <laughs> which, you know, uh, isn't true. Terms, we'll term, terms and conditions apply. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Big old asterisk. Huge old asterisk. Read the small print. But this becomes a point of tension because, um, you know, Hugo, one of Hugo's friends is like, hey, you're like dating this cyborg girl. Does she know that like at night you go out and like rip cyborgs apart for money. Um, and she does not initially. Um, so eventually, you know, Alita decides she wants, she does want to become a hunter warrior. She goes down and registers and there's this great scene where she like strolls into the hunter warrior bar. She's bought this like leather trench coat. Um, (laughs) you know, just like, she just walks into the bar and just starts talking shit about all the guys. And there's this guy in there named Zapan, um, who is like the most dangerous bounty hunter in the city. And he's got this like crazy ornate golden body. Um, and this sword called the Damascus blade that can cut through anything. Um, and he has this great moment where he's like, you know, he's introducing everyone. He's like, you see, see that guy? That's Master Clive Lee of the White Hot Palm. He has over 700 confirmed kills. Oh, that poor rock, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just cameo like, all, all these guys that show yeah. up at some point or another in the manga. There, um, there's a cowboy with robot dogs who's yeah, like, he's, uh, he's he, like Revolver he, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Revolver he's from Dog the manga, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the dog, the dog master is one of the best ones. Uh, he rocked. So he was cool. cool. In uh, in the manga, uh, Zapan has the Blue Oyster Cult logo carved into his forehead. That rocks. <laughs> oh, that shit. Actually, okay. It's, it's cool. one of several Blue Oyster Cult references in there. 
Yeah, I think there's there's a scene in the manga where Alita just uh, is singing Blue Oyster Cult at the bar. Uh, oh, she's like singing she's singing Big Generator by Yes. If in the oh, original Japanese, right, yeah. the translation changes it for copyright reasons. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, she's she basically Alita in order to um, she's trying to basically rally the other hunter warriors to go after Gruishka, who's still at large. And they won't because there's no bounty on him because he works for Vector. You know, he's he's protected by the mob, basically. So, um, you know, none of them respect her, but she starts this huge bar fight where she beats the shit out of everyone in order to earn their respect. And right at that moment, Gruishka shows up with this crazy new tricked out body with these like his fingers have become like these chain blades that he can like yeah. shoot out at people. Yeah. Um, and and we know he Gruishka's evil because the first thing he does is murder a dog. Kill a dog. Straight up kills <laughs> yeah. a little cocker spaniel. <laughs> Yeah, he's like a he's like a mud or like a what's that name of that a little a little a little a little like monkey looking dog. In um in in the manga, he has the the the, he has two fights with Alita that are kind of merged into one in the movie, and that body he comes back with in the manga, he 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 he's almost destroyed in the first fight, and his head crawls off. And then it steals that body from the champion of the gladiator fights. Oh, oh there is one thing I have I, I should mention because I forgot that it happens before all of this. Um, at one point, Alita and Hugo and their friend, they're sort of exploring the outskirts of the city and they find this crashed Martian spaceship. Mm, um, yeah. And Alita like feels this call. It feels it calling to her. She feels this draw to it. And she, you know, there's this great scene where she like she can't swim, of course. She's made of metal, so she's just like walking slowly underwater. Yeah, that was cool into the ship, um, and sort of just like you know, she seems to like naturally understand how to operate the technology, of course, because this is you know this was all Martian stuff, um, and she finds this like new cyborg body, um, and she's like, I, this is like. I, I don't know. I feel this connection to this. Like I have to be in this body. And she takes it to Ido and he's like, no, I won't do it because this is like, this is a berserker body. This is like, you know, th- what the Martian shock troops were in. It's just de- purely designed for killing and I won't do it. Like, you know, he again, still sees her as like the surrogate daughter. And that is the moment mm-hmm. that it, that like sparks her to want to become a hunter warrior and start the fight in the bar. Um, yeah. And then Grishka comes in and kills a dog. Um, and then like tears a hole in the ground and leaps into sort of like yeah. the undercity underneath Iron City. And he talks about, he has this great line where he's like, you know, uh, there are, you know, worlds beneath worlds and the trash from each one falls down to the one below. That's where I used to live. Um, yeah. In, this, like, in the manga, he's world. in the manga. He steals a baby before he jumps down there. That's just right. to really like <laughs> insult. I decided that would be a little much. <laughs> no, but this, but this scene, this, this, again, like all the fight scenes in this movie, just eat the MCU's lunch, like oh, right yeah. underneath them. But like this, this fight in particular, I was like messaging our production like group. I was like, guys, there is a scene, there is a fight scene around the one hour mark that goes crazy hard. And I've, I'm, I've literally, I literally rewatched the scene before I logged on to Discord just to feel something, just to feel something. So, yeah, what ha- what happens here? 
So, you know, Alita and he get into a fight and she seems at least initially to be holding her own, but he shoots out his chain finger blades and just like slices her to pieces, like cuts her into 10 pieces. Yeah. And all that's left of her is her head and just like one arm that she's just like dragging herself along with. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, there's, there's a great dialogue, the dialogue exchange. One of the great PG-13 F-bombs of all time. Yes. Um, where he does this thing, which is also- save the line. Yeah, he's straight from the manga. He talks about like, I'll wear you as a pendant around my neck so I can listen to you pleading for mercy. And she says, fuck your mercy. Fuck your mercy. Punches her hand, fist into his eyeball and breaks off her arm in it's, his eye. What well, she's nothing but a torso, a head, and one arm. Everybody, if we haven't made that abundantly clear, Esther, can you explain this in NBA terms? <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh God, this is like um. This is like uh, when this is this is uh, Ray Allen hitting that three that uh, you know sent the Heat Spurs series to Game Seven. Rebound box, back out to Allen, his three-pointer, bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining! But of course, like, she's, you know, fucked now. When this is when Ido and Hugo and the Dogmaster, uh, who was the one hunter-warrior who was persuaded by her, shows up with his hellhounds and chases off Kurishka. Um, he doesn't like that he now, murdered a dog. Yeah, no, doesn't he exactly. say no, like, they, like they fucked with a dog or something like that? Yeah, yeah, he says, no, he, he, he says specifically he wasn't a dog lover. I hate that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's um, so much sincerity to this movie, too, which I'm sure we're, we're going to touch on yes. later on with just like, like, yeah, that that's holding this whole thing together. Yeah, yeah. I, I think 99% of like my initial enjoyment in the first five minutes of this was just watching like real ass actors like fucking Christoph Waltz and 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 like fucking uh uh it was Jennifer Connelly like yeah like deliver like just straight up OVA dialogue like they are they are <laughs> doing some like this is some shit you would watch on YouTube with your friends dialogue uh straight for, I assume straight from the manga because it seems like they pulled a lot of scenes just a lot of straight it, from yeah. the manga um, and it's just, it, 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 they sell it. They really do. They sell the fuck out of it. Uh, Esther, did um, you, did you read yeah. the manga too? I, I did. I did. After the movie came out, I read, I actually still own the whole like collected edition of it. I haven't reread it, reread it in a long time. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I just, I just, cause I'm not the only one in here that did. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, of course, you know, Alita's whole body is destroyed. The doll body is mm-hmm. destroyed. So Ido at this point has no choice but to put her into the berserker body. And there's this, you know, amazing moment where um, yes. she's, you know, unconscious after surgery. And the body just starts like it's sort of like a very default like torso. But it starts like molding itself more to like, you know, a young woman's body. And it's Ido says like, Oh, it's molding to her subconscious image of herself. It's just like, you know, the, yes. the nanoparticles or whatever. Um, uh, Esther, if I can interject right here to just quote, because you, you wrote a really good Substack piece on this and you talk about this scene. And I just, I just want to, I, I just want to quote it. Uh, while while we're at this, this, uh, this particular part, uh, uh, would, would you like to, would you like to read it or, uh, should I, Read it. You can go. You can go ahead if you have it. If you have it pulled up, yeah. So, so you write about this scene. 
It's only after a reckless, and one might call it suicidal, decision destroys the body Ito gave her that he agrees to put her in the new one. And when he does, the new one begins to change. It reshapes and reforms itself, as he puts it, matches her subconscious image of herself. She doesn't look like his daughter anymore. For the first time, she looks like herself. Alita shows off her new body to her friends, celebrating that she finally feels comfortable in her own middle skin. It's so much more me, she says. Finally, she achieves symbiosis between herself and her physical form. She's not two separate things, a mind and a body. She's a whole person. Uh, And I just want to put a pin in this very early on because uh, a lot of this movie and a lot of what I really loved about this movie and the very concept itself. And I think uh, like James Cameron talked about this as being a very, very much a female empowerment story. But I think uh, just inherently the figure of the cyborg is is not just a is just an inherently uh, queer and and feminine sort of object um, mm-hmm. in the sense that like I and I had this conversation recently with someone just on on how that sort of figure I think really bridges uh, the experience of uh, you know the womanhood or femininity or just having an uh, you know wanting to inhabit a body that reflects this ideal image of yourself uh, that you like desire. And I think that's a very um, common experience between, you know, both like trans and and cisgender uh, women, especially alike. Um, Also just a more universal sort of thing, because I think everyone at some point, male, female, whatnot, feels some sort of discomfort in their own skin. And this, this, this particular scene, when Christoph Waltz says that line, I was like, Oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it, I got that flutter yeah. in my it's, heart from that. I mean, yeah, we'll, we we we'll talk about we'll get we'll dig into that. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like one of the key key moments uh, for me. Um and then well and then there's this other amazing moment like right after this where she is uh she's fallen in love with Hugo obviously mm-hmm. and they're they're getting together and she just like shows up perched like Spider-Man on his windowsill one day. Um <laughs> Like when he's just waking up Um, and she there's this great moment where um, they're talking about like making enough money to get to Zalem. And she's like, oh, like, I'll become a motorball racer, you know, and like, you know, uh, we'll use the money from that and the bounties and like we'll be able to pay off your debt to Vector. And at one point she literally opens her chest cavity and pulls out her like cyborg heart. And she's like, I, you know, I would do anything for you. I'd give you my heart. And it's like, oh my God. This this is, it's, it's a very like in taken in isolation, like a, like a very BPD girlfriend moment. No, it is. Here it is. It's the perfect kind of melodrama that these things should be because it's like, yes, every emotion should be the biggest emotion in the world. Like that's why. And, and yeah. To her, so much of this movie is also just, you know, it's like a, a kind of coming of age ass narrative of, mm-hmm. of her sort of discovering and learning, you know, just to be human, connecting with humanity. And, you know, she yeah, feels she, these emotions so, so bigly, like, you know, the way she first reacts to eating chocolate, like, this is my favorite food ever. The way she interacts with a dog, the way she interacts with Ido, just a lot of the pleasure. And this is this is also just a testament to the actress playing her Rosa Salazar. Um, you know, doing this motion capture performance, which uh, I think you you need to have a very human connection in order to, uh, or, or just in order to buy this mostly uh, CG or, or hybrid CGI character. Uh, yeah, and, I, and that's what the whole movie hinges on. And I remember she delivers this. skipping the movie when it first came out in part because I thought 
the big CGI eyes was yes. a bad move. Yeah, people and clowned that. Actually, hard. sitting down and watching the movie, I got used to it really quickly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, no, I, I remember clowning the shit out of it, it with my friend when we. I, I think we might have been literally seeing Aquaman, and <laughs> in, yeah, hi- that, in hindsight, makes sense. In hindsight, he wrong. <laughs> in hindsight, like actually aquaman was the i mean i i like i don't hate aquaman but this was this was way better because oh it's a better movie yeah <laughs> um, oh my god yeah no j- j- just just straight up like the fact that they have like the big eyes are in there for a reason like it's yes it's not uh it's not like a dumb like you know we could cut five percent of the corners of of doing it practically you know move like uh like it would it's it straight up exists because uh because of like a reason and i think uh, and 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 esther's review is great because it just so succinctly sums it up uh let me let me pull up that review but i believe it uh, I got a couple passages, but yeah, you can pull that up. Uh, oh, I, I was talking about the, le- the specifically the letterbox review is great because it's oh, like okay. it's like a single sentence that just so perfectly like hits the nail on the head. Where it's like, yeah, of course they would, of course they would do it like that. Why wouldn't they? You know. So, uh, where where did we leave off there in our plot summary? I kind of lost the third uh, for a second. Uh, Alita is right. going to start doing motorball. She's going to start right, yes. right, right. She's going to try out for motorball, um, and. Uh, Ito builds her like these like shoulder pads and this helmet. It's very cute, um, you know, to keep herself safe. And she's going to go to like the triads. Um, and at this exact moment, um, Hugo goes to his friend and says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out of the game. I'm quitting. I'm not going to rip up cyborgs anymore. And unfortunately, uh, it is at this exact moment that uh, Zapan reappears, um, knowing that that Hugo and Alita are close. He's out for revenge, of course. Um, yeah, he kills do, Hugo's friend. Yeah. He just fucking cuts him in him. half. Who's the? Who's yeah. also was the annoying, uh, not love interest from Bumblebee? Was he? <laughs> oh yeah, same yeah. guy, same guy. That, that guy same that actor. just exists to be cocked by a by a, a robot by Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, no wonder he's ripping out their their fucking spinal cords. <laughs> he got cocked by one. That's crazy. Uh, so a, I didn't even pick that up that that was the same guy. It, yeah, yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> So Zapan frames Hugo for this, um, and Hugo instantly becomes like a fugitive on on the Hunter Warrior radar, and he starts running away from Zapan because obviously, you know, once he's a Hunter Warrior bounty, Zapan can just like legally kill him, you know, and, and collect the bounty. So he's on the run. He's calling Alita, who is in the middle of the motorball trial, which turns out to be an assassination attempt by yeah. Vector. He's paid off everyone else in the arena to just like fuck the game, yeah. just try to kill Alita. Yeah. F- fans of Speed Racer, you're going to want to check this out. Fans yeah, of, it is exactly <laughs> yeah, very Star similar to Wars the, the rollerball Switch. sequences are very similar to Speed Racer. It's, fans of Star Wars. It's also Wars, just the how the actual the, the movie rollerball ends, which is they just get everybody to gang up on James Caan. I also got. Uh, uh, I, I, I was gonna do a bit, but I got. I got talked over. It does remind me a little uh, bit of, uh, of the pod racing set piece. In I'm sorry, you're gonna do a bit. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they both serve uh, the same sorry, purpose. Bit you you know, they're the, uh, they're the uh, they're the 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 you know the chariot race in Ben Hur. They're the uh, you know like they it's 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 a. a, a physical like olympic event that also serves as like character actualization you know 
Yeah, yeah, and it's also like like in all of the like, I don't know about speed racer, but like in uh, the other examples, the 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 big bread and circuses or the circuses anyway distraction for a dystopian mm-hmm. society. Oh, Speed Racer does that as well, and it's awesome. Speed, it's actually, oh, Speed yeah. Racer does it's, that too. It's, okay, it's yep. genu- the, genuinely like the reveal that like the game is rigged in Speed Racer is like one of the Wachowski sisters' most like insane fucking uh, scenes imaginable. Yeah. Fuck! I should watch. I should put on Speed Racer tonight. Yeah. So. So uh, to uh, to put the plot summary back on track, so to speak, uh, Alita's in the middle of fighting for her life and trying to win uh, a sports ball. And then she gets a phone call from her boyfriend that uh, uh, a cyborg samurai is trying to cut his head off. Yeah. So she fuck. she just like busts out of the arena being chased by the like the the surviving assassins who she's like taking out on the way as she goes to find Hugo yeah. including the last one which is what again what are just like the nastiest kills in the movie she just like wraps a chain around him and throws it into this like industrial thresher and he just gets dragged yeah, into yeah, it yeah that it's was awesome. sick that was great that oh, rocks so good. i raised raised a roof there <laughs> um and you know she she gets there uh, just in time, and Hugo, you know, is, he's like mortally wounded, and he runs into this church, um, and Zapan, you know, is like, well, you you better come out like with his head because legally, you can't aid in a bet, you know, a, a bounty. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to go in there and kill him. And thankfully, Doctor Sharen, who is not has not had a big impact on the plot really at all up to this point, but again, has sort of just been around. She works for Vector, but she's like clearly conflicted about it. Um, she says, well, uh, she, you know, she shows up and she's like, well, maybe there's one thing we can do to sort of trick the system. And what they do is they cut Hugo's head off and they just hook it up to Alita's body as like a temporary measure to keep him alive long enough. Yeah. To get back to oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's which, which which happens, his, he yeah. uses his heart. She uses her heart to like to power him. Yeah. It rocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and this is this is because um, I, I, I believe Sharon is is not a, a character in the manga. She's she's nope. from the, the, yeah. the uh, anime. So this is this is also straight from the anime. Oh, that's well, in that the that's in the OVA. It is. No, yeah. it, it is. OK, does he have a daughter in the OVA? Uh, no, no, there's no mention of a daughter. Oh, okay. I mean, it, so it that, well, that seems like a very James Cameron edition. Anyway. She could have. Yeah, I think that's all, been all Big Dick Jim. Oh, oh, it's not in the mod. She's, okay, she's not like, mean, the, It could have shown yeah. up later. But no, that's like, all. The, they didn't that's all Big Dick Jim. Okay, that's all, all Big, big Dick Jim. <laughs> roger, Roger. So Alita walks out with you know her coat draped around one shoulder, disguising the fact that the head is hooked up to her own body, um, and you know the the big like. AI tanks who are surrounding the scene register her as having like completed the kill. And then of course Zapan sees through it and tries to rip the coat off and the AI robots are like, uh Zapan, you can't Vi- steal someone else's bounty. Violation. Violation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that it's like at which point Alita steals the- his Damascus sword and cuts his fucking face off. It it hell yeah. I love that the the like little like bounty head I I think was an entirely practical effect like it looked like a real there's yeah. a real there's more object. practical stuff in this movie than I thought there'd be being a, a movie from 2018. There I was are pleasantly sets. surprised oh, how many yes. vehicles yeah. and things there are. Seeing, and how good uh, the CG looks given how much there is of it. Like I was I was on board the minute that fucking Christoph Waltz had his like fucking pilgrim ass. <laughs> 
gothic yeah. fit, and he's just climbing over these like huge piles of trash that they they had to assemble on this on this little like stage or whatever that they're shooting it. And I was like, oh, if they'll do that, you know, uh, this movie every got like some heart to it. Every cyberpunkish sci-fi movie needs a giant scrapyard full of robot parts. I agree. Like it's just it's 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 the look you got to have it. So they take the head back to the clinic and they put him on this like sort of uh, you know ramshackle cyborg body that they had lying around. And as he's unconscious, uh, Ito reveals to uh, or sorry, Ito reveals to Alita that. Um, Vector must have been lying, you know, that like, no, you know, nobody really does go to Zalem. And I know because I'm actually from there um, and I was in exile. I, I, I left because I, 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 you know, didn't didn't agree with, you know, some sort of, you know, vague thing about the, the way they did things. He, he was exiled. Um, and I know the, because of this, I know the only way to go to Zalem is to become final champion of, of the motorball games is to win a ring in the motorball games. <laughs> Um, and you know, Alita is so infuriated by this that she just goes one woman army, uh, after Vector. She just absolutely dismantles every single, all of the AI tanks, just one, you know, one V15. Um, yeah. She grabs like a, a mini gun at one point and just <laughs> fucking. It's awesome. It's, it it's awesome. So good. <laughs> it never, it never um, cuts away. It never. Like I, I, I want to compliment this film by not comparing it to the MCU, but like it, they just know how to shoot. Like Robert Rodriguez just gets yeah. it. Like he just fucking gets it. Oh yeah, he's that's one thing you can rely on him for consistently is like really fluid, uh, uh, legible, uh, enjoyable action sequences. Uh, so Alita shows up and he f- she finally makes it to Vector's office. Um, who, by the way, this whole I God, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. This whole time. Vector has been like sort of like unwillingly possessed by this guy from <laughs> Zalem um, uh, called Nova, um, who is like the mysterious sort of puppet master behind everything. He is an actual Zalemite and he is able to like take over people's bodies on the ground in order to talk to them. Um, and Alita has realized in this flashback she's had that Nova was actually like the person she was initially sent to earth to take out or was like being sent to Zalem to take out rather. Um, that was why she was going to Zalem in the first place. And we're meant to assume maybe that's why she like fell from Zalem into the trash heap is that's why she was up there. Um, so she knows Nova's behind everything. She goes to talk to um, Vector who's like, uh, you know, confront him about this lie he's been he's been selling to Hugo and others. And he goes, ah, oh, but I, I always do send people up yet. You know, just, just not the way they think. And he says like, look at Dr. Sherid. And it's open, just like, he pulls up, open this case of just open. her organs. And just, the in eyes jars. are still moving around. It's a great, Acura it's a great style. reveal. Like Acura style in jars. Yeah. It's this, yeah, it's a crazy reveal for something that the movie just like, you know, it's like a passing mention in this climactic scene. He's like, by the way, <laughs> yeah. By the by the way, this is I what put, I've been doing the whole I put, time. I chop people up and like fucking do funky town shit to them. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um but of course, uh, you know, Gruishka shows up at the last second in his final up- upgraded form. Um, which Alita just instantly dispatches by cutting him in half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like zero effort, just slices him top to bottom, and he's done. Um and then she finally confronts Nova, 
who's very much like, ah, you know, finally we meet. Uh, I, I knew you'd make it yeah, this far. Uh, ta- talking <laughs> through Vector, uh, where uh, Michelle's eyes will suddenly have uh, blue contacts in them. And that's cool. Yeah. And of course, um, as she's talking to him in this format, she just stabs Vector. Yeah. And there's this great moment, which got a, got a laugh every time I saw it at theaters. Oh, it's I like love the, the funniest moment of the movie, where Nova, speaking as Vector, this dying body, just goes, oh, that seems fatal. <laughs> <laughs> as he's like sliding down the table. Um, and oh. unfortunately, you know, it, it oh. seems like Alita's finally won. She's taken out the bad guy. Um, but, but she gets oh. a call. Yeah. Uh, she gets a yeah. call from Ido. It Oof. says Hugo woke up and he's run away and he is trying to climb his way to Zalem. Because Zalem is a floating city, but it has these like tubes that run down it all the way to the surface. Um, and now that he has this cyborg body, he's like, I'm just going to I'm going to fucking get there. Um, and there's this insanely, insanely heartbreaking scene. This it's is the, the climax of the movie. I fucking, um, again, because I, I hadn't rewatched the OVA in like a year and a half and I forgot how it ended. And then it just cuts to that shot of, of him scaling up that, uh, walking up, I should say, uh, the cargo line. I was like, oh, bitch. Oh, no. <laughs> Here, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm I'm in danger. <laughs> yeah, and they have, because they, they know people could hypothetically climb up these. They have these big ring spike things that come flying down uh yeah. and uh smash the little guy a little bit yeah for yeah yeah it's i, I was they, actually they have- i was almost worried when we got to this scene because i was like oh are they gonna like you know try and like is this gonna be like the the one moment where it breaks with it and does like a makes it into like a big movie scene you know with all these like you know, crazy effect shots or whatever, but no, it it really does just like kind of hold on uh, the buzz saws ripping through Hugo's body. Like it's it's a very uh, tasteful adaptation. They take they also take like the, the, one of my favorite spreads from from the manga for just the just directly they put it on screen this wide shot of her like reaching her hand out to him as he's like yeah. kind of half turned in the oh. other direction. Um, and she does, you know, she's like, she, she has just convinced him to give up on his dream of going to Zalem and come back with her when the defense ring comes flying down and just slices him to pieces. It's, it, ow, ow, it hurts. This is, this is, uh, listeners, uh, this is, this is the, uh, this is, this is the, the, the Nicole crybaby moment. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it's crazy, like, you know. We'll talk about uh, the reaction to Hugo as a character, and it, even people who really like the movie tend to think like, "Oh, Hugo is like, you know, he's kind of not a great character. It's not a great performance." But this moment fucking lands so hard. Like, yeah, it, oh it yeah, is, no matter what, it's just like you, holy shit. If if Hugo you haven't bought into in this movie. there's people that don't like bought Hugo. Into, yeah, if you haven't bought into sort of their relationship by the time she literally offers him her heart. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. uh, I I was certainly thinking that for most of the runtime I was thinking like oh maybe they could have gotten maybe a better uh, actor but like by, it doesn't matter by the time you get to this scene because it is one of the most it's it's fucking devastating uh, yeah. as as someone who 
has already seen this scene play out <laughs> and it didn't matter that I've seen it in a, a different format. If that shit fucking hurt. And there's no like, there's no real catharsis. Like there's no scene where she goes back down and she goes to Ido and they're both crying. Like it just skips ahead months immediately yeah. to the last scene. And then the last scene, uh, first of all, she's like, you know, in the motorball locker room and the announcer's like, and now uh, Alita, the battle angel will play for the <laughs> championship. Um, and like one tear rolls down her face and she's yeah. installed the Damascus blade in her arm and she just slices the tear in half is fucking awesome. That was so raw. Dude. Yeah. That I think so that's in the manga too. The, I felt like I remembered that image, the, the slicing the be, tear, yeah. in, a, a tear in half or a drop of water. That was so hard, dude. I was flexing. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta get to the final reveal of this movie. Yeah. The final thing that happens is she rolls out. She's getting introduced. She rolls out onto the podium before the game. She points her sword at the sky and like lights it on fire with her hand. Um, like pointing it at Zalem. Like I'm fucking coming for you. At which point it cuts to Zalem. And watching from the edge of the city down below um, is Nova, who takes off his like glasses mask, and it's revealed that he's been Edward Norton the whole the time. The whole time, <laughs> Edward Norton, jump scare bitch, <laughs> who is, and I, I think I said this before we started recording, um, probably going to be the biggest impetus to an Alita two, because you know Edward Norton's being like, I well, the, James, you got to let me write this. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. just, just based on previous Edward Norton history is he is he a is he a manga guy he could yeah, no, Edward, Ed, Ed, Ed Norton just always tries uh, tends to like uh, 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 try to shape the creative overall direction of yeah, the things he's it, an actor it's in it's what happened with the Hulk movie yeah. honestly I mean I, um, fuck I would have watched he, he probably knows Ball more than anyone that was involved in, in the uh, that Hulk movie. Yeah, what's 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 Nova's? Um, I'm I'm guessing Nova's just the big bad of Alita. It's so the manga in, itself. In the manga, this is something I want to talk about because because yeah, this Nova is in one the of manga the is a crazy character. The, the yeah, manga Nova is very different. Like that's the biggest change they made. Um, by far is that in the manga he is not in Salem. He's not in charge. He is another exiled Salemite, and he is fucking wacky he's like cl maybe yeah. closer to like the dark knight joker no than... yeah he in the movie he's like a smooth talking like ah so my plan but in the manga he's like a cackling lunatic oh, yeah he's rocks. completely insane and he's oh, uh maybe we'll, we'll get an unhinged norton performance in a leader he, 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 he he's going around like he doesn't so much have a master plan as he just has this fixation on what he calls karma on like people confronting their internal sins and, and contradictions and past wrongdoings. And he goes around like finding people and giving them a hyper advanced cyborg bodies that reflect those character elements in their pursuits. And then just spinning them off to see what happens when they do to see if they can defeat their karma. Um, uh, so that's like that was a change I did that final that that was a change I didn't like that he was like up in Zolom and in charge uh, that the other other changes are like quibbles or like I understand their function for a movie that one really bothered me. It made uh, me wonder how they were planning on. Well, I mean, they might still make the sequel. I hope they do. But it did make me wonder uh, how they were planning on doing the sequel, which is about her like being out in the desert as like a mercenary. And she sort of encounters him in, in, in this like in his lab, basically, because he's out on his own. Um, uh, uh, to, to say as of, I think like six days ago, I like the, the, 
producer uh, John Landau said like they're actively working on on the sequel or at least in like the development of it. Um, yeah. I think that they also said that in like April 2023. Uh, I got a quote here that uh, from Robert Rodriguez in like 2020 because uh, this 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 film did fine at the box office. It made its budget back. It wasn't you know it wasn't dead on arrival. Uh, personally, uh, I think it it should have made like Endgame money. Uh, yes. That's just me. I can see, uh, I can see number to two. an Avengers movie, and it's so much better. I can see number <laughs> yeah, two, but, like Loki being like the Avatar 2. Where like it just Avatar? Has, yeah, which where it just has pin, pin on that legs. because this Avatar 2 would not exist without Alita. But uh, Robert Rodriguez yeah. said that uh, the fans still don't let anyone forget that they loved that movie. It's almost better than having a movie that does really well, but no one remembers in six yeah. to eight years. Well, I feel like a lot of classic science fiction and genre movies are like that. Like Blade Runner and The Thing were huge flops yeah. in 1982. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to even conceive of that now because there's so much more culturally significant than whatever came out that year and made a bunch of money and won all the awards. Uh, how was the reception to this movie? Does anyone? Um, that's a complicated Luke question. Um, yeah. I'm more curious because... about how it did in Japan. Like, did it, was it well received in Japan? It was, it was big in China. Uh, it was big in China. Yeah. It made, a lot of, it made most of its profit overseas in, with the international market. Thank you. Uh, like Thank over, you. Thank like, you, Chairman, Chairman G, for fucking locking yeah, it in. Yeah, in <laughs> in the U.S., it made just shy of like eighty six million overseas. Uh, it it made like three hundred nineteen million dollars. I like that sound. I like yeah. the sound. Of the I think there's money. some ambiguity oh, it, as to whether or not it broke even, but like there's it's one of those things where like we'll never really know what money it needed to make, mm-hmm. but it uh, didn't do bad. Stu, fun fact. Uh, this was released February fourteenth, twenty nineteen. On your yep, birthday, yeah, my uh, my twenty eighth birthday. Did you go see oh, wow. it for your birthday? No, no I he didn't. went and saw the Lego Movie too. You made the wrong. I didn't decision. go to the. I, living living uh, mostly in small towns, I didn't really go to the theater. Oh. Those theaters sucked. <laughs> I, I, except for the Lego the, Movie the, Two. The, the theater in part. Smithers, British Columbia, is ass. I didn't go watch movies. At <laughs> you it. you ass ain't living in a Simpsons town. <laughs> fucking smithers town get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of here the critical response I think was it, it, it was it drove me crazy because it was so this is 2019 remember yeah and right as Alita is coming out we're also getting Captain Marvel um, yeah and this is like <laughs> prime MCU do no wrong like mm-hmm. you know yeah uh, it's like second act of a Scorsese movie. Like we're right yeah, high. The fix we will make a billion dollars in. doing anything. The fix, <laughs> the fix is not out yet. You know, like they, they exactly. Yeah, they did not. No, Captain to... Marvel is making a billion fucking dollars, yeah. which even I don't fucking believe happened. <laughs> and and of course, this is still the time when when critics still have to pretend these movies are amazing. The MCU movies are amazing, right? So like, the reaction to Captain Marvel was like you know, finally a female superhero, an inspiration to, to, to women everywhere. Um, and it came in. They finally this... put a broad in a damn movie. <laughs> yeah, finally a superhero where uh, there's a scene where someone tells her to smile. <laughs> 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 Which I believe literally does happen. Is there actually? Oh, Marvel. good lord. Oh, there's, oh, oh absolutely. There's probably Do that in Wonder Woman bullshit. too? They probably did. Yeah. They did a lot of pandering, um, the, like, geek girl industrial shit. The, the villain man spreads on the bus. 
<laughs> I love uh, but no there there was sort of this there became this like fake culture war where it was like all of these sort of like you know not not explicitly i would say like snyder adjacent fans on the internet but that kind of person where it's like you can't really honestly say this is like a politically motivated person. They're just like a ner- a nerd who's basically like a normal guy. Yeah, it's um, like comic book guy. They all like, like Kevin really Smith love Delita, and they're grievance. sort of <laughs> they sort of like there was this like phony culture war ginned up where it was like, well, Captain Marvel is like the feminist movie, and Alita is the movie that these guys are like, you know, they're they're pretending to like it because there's a girl in it. Yeah, the bros. Um, yeah, I, this, I completely is, missed Elite this. Is like a bro movie. I actually, I That's vaguely, so I vaguely remember this, and I didn't remember this until you explicitly described it as like they were pretending to like Alita to yeah. sabotage Captain Marvel. Damn, that's that was I I forgot. No, they, about there was that there one. was literally it was like they are trying to sabotage the release of Captain Marvel, and it got like critics. There were like critics who like got weirdly invested in that. Kevin I remember Feige, there was one. We could. I have a question. I have a genuine question. This is this is always yeah. gets me wondering with this stuff. These critics, do they are they playing along like knowing what they're doing to get the bag, or are they just genuinely like that stupid and easily manipulated and they fail I, upward because they're <laughs> they're useful idiots? I I personally believe it's a bit of both. Uh yeah. money is always a very good incentive. For, for just selling out on this sense. And I also think uh, just there was such a cultural purchase on the MCU in like the, the early 2010s. Like I, I was into it for God's sake. I, I actually that, have a good you know, I, I think they, they, the delusion went on for very long because there were, you know, that it was, it was a big thing. Like everyone yeah. was so hyped for the Avengers and, I mean, when 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 it was just you and me, Stu, we we kind of agreed that you know this is one of the definitely on the better upper echelons of the MCU as a product. You know that they pulled off something like the Avengers, which is so quaint and cute in retrospect. Now that everything is just like a homogenized cube of multiverse and and uh, cinematic uh, entertainment universe shit, an entertainment based. cube, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's I funny. Think it's I, remember, I have a perfect I metaphor like 20- for the yeah? two, for like the you know like the 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 shill that's the the shill that's doing it for the love of the game is like movie Bob. You know, it's like oh yeah, it's like a guy <laughs> that like yeah. like gen- genuinely yeah. thinks that like the MCU is like a historically progressive like like force. It's like the great. Yeah. It's like the NATO of the film world, and that it's like it, before <laughs> we had this like savage wasteland that occasionally produced something good, and this is like civilizing civilizing it and like it's it's being reflected in the massive money that they're making and then like you have like uh that guy um oh what the fuck i actually used to follow him he's like a nice guy so don't give him shit but like he got he was like a movie journalist that got caught being like a disney shareholder or whatever like on oh, that fucking guy. Yeah. I know exactly because and yes. he's like he's like a yes, nice guy. Like exactly he doesn't like, he doesn't like pick fights on Twitter. He's just like a dumb like like kind of guy. A that fucking just, idiot. Yeah, he's just he's just he's bought into it, but he's also he also is playing it up a little bit because you know it, it hurts his bottom line. Like his retirement's riding on that shit. Yeah, 
It it is so funny to be a film critic who's like shilling for things because you bought shares in the studio. <laughs> it's something that would happen. Like, yeah, in like, like it's a, gonna that's move the real the gamer needle game. either way. It's something that yeah. would happen in like a like a nineteen forties noir film where you'd have like the like <laughs> the like great orator like like golden age journalist you know like like a, like the guy in Laura where he just has like a radio show built around like his personality and then it turns out that he's like. A fraud that's betting on all this shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, well, I remember in 2012 there was a, it, I think around then there was like a discourse that was going mm-hmm. around like early film Twitter among critics of like, should we even like fucking watch the Avengers? Like, should we even like care about this as like, you know, speaking as like actual film critics who like have you know are immersed in film history and like care about the art form. Should we watch this just because it's like what the really popular thing is now? Like, does it matter that, you know, from a historical perspective, does it matter that this is like the big thing? And should we like consider it seriously? Or is it fair to just like be like, oh, whatever, like, you know, this is just slop for the masses. And it turns out the criticalist, what the critical establishment decided for like eight or nine years was like, no, we will take this like deadly seriously. Yeah. Um, Which I think we will treat this as like the ultimate art form. Like I wouldn't like if I was writing a film textbook, you know, like I wouldn't like strike the MCU from the record. Like, I think it's an important thing to understand and, and, uh, and study, but I, but like in, in the same way that you study like Caligula, (laughs) <laughs> well, as, as the uh, the uh, as as the 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 uh, the creator and co-host of Marvelous or the Death of Cinema, the podcast where we get paid to watch all these movies, I think nobody should watch them. Uh, it's, if you're giving <laughs> yourself now, you are committing fascism by acknowledging the existence of the Disney Corporation. Uh, <laughs> Frank, does that mean that we're fascists? Well, we're, I mean, yes, we're, obviously. We're, we're, okay. if we're in the money Red in Brown it. Alliance. You don't know that already. We're yeah, <laughs> I, we're, I we're we're the horseshoe. We're on the we're on the horseshoe theory. You know, it's like uh, I think I think you know uh, people should be able to get health care if they're white. Which was the style at the time? It's very very simple. Cue the cue the Miguel song clip about. All right, this, oh yeah, this, we, this is a, this is already a tired bit. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on. But. Something, something I want to comment on because we've uh, sort of considered, uh, at least in the, the one of our earliest episodes of this podcast, was a, a Paul Verhoeven retrospective. Sort of considering him as a, a very antithetical figure to everything that the the MCU represents. And someone we left out of that conversation that I think also deserves this mantle is again none other than Big Dick Jim Cameron, uh, who is responsible for some of the best movies ever made. He's 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 one of the guys that synthesizes the big crowd pleasing blockbuster in like a, a, a an admirable level of craftsmanship. Yeah. You, you don't feel embarrassed he's, for like yeah. Him. He's someone so that this- is one hundred percent responsible for the uh, for the uh, the fact that the MCU exists, like from like a a cultural DNA standpoint. But I think he's also aware of yeah, that sure. fact and is like kind of disgusted by it. You know, like we'll, we'll see when we get to Avatar yeah. too. But like, yeah. I think well, yeah, he's famously Oppenheimer. His, famously his attempted uh, superhero cinema never got off the ground. Do you, I don't know if you guys know about his Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they yeah, tried like, to do Spider-Man. Where, you know, Peter and Mary Jade were like fucking in a web under the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, um, but. Yeah. 
Sadly, it never got made. But similar to that, uh, I mean, more so in the case of Alita, Alita was a passion project for his. Yeah. Um, again, going going back to to him being shown the the anime by Guillermo del Toro, which I, I I'm imagining that exchange in my head, and it's very cute. Um, but he like he he said like as far like he started developing it since at least 2000 like he registered like a web domain uh it was reported in 2003 he would direct uh that was delayed until like 2005 and then it kept getting delayed um because he was he was at work making more deep sea and titanic documentaries going you know go, go and dive in which he he's he's james cameron let him do it he's the only one who is allowed to we we know from that ocean gate uh, thing he, that happened. James, James Cameron has the exact same type of brain as an anime director or a, or a mangaka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an he's like, an autistic. He's the exact king. same type of autistic guy. He's an autistic he loves, king. He loves machinery and knowing how everything works and like. <laughs> yeah, but he 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 completed a script around like 2009. Um, but it it I I watched also a couple featurettes on the DVD copy I rented. Um, that it, it was really a coin toss between whether he was going to work on Alita and Avatar. And uh, basically what happened was uh, he ended up sticking with Avatar uh, because he thought that the technology they would use on on that movie, which, you know, is, is entirely CGI environments, um, whereas Alita is, is more of a mixture of a, a CGI characters with real sets and and people and characters and having that sort of compositing. Um, but he, he ended up sticking with the Avatar films because he he felt the that the themes of like environmentalism and indigenous ice were just necessary and needed to be expressed at, at the current present time. And so he he pushed off doing Alita and it kind of like langered there. It would have been um, funny he, if, uh, if Robert Rodriguez did Avatar 2 instead. <laughs> <laughs> it would have it would have been it would have been fucking awesome. That. Like I, I it would have sucked. Just the 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 water tribe were just all like they have like 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 text like like Texas Hispanics. Yeah, the, the, they're, coded. they're 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 like they're grilling on the beach, drinking a Modelo, <laughs> and they have like tribal tats and fucking. There would be there'd be like more dreadlocks. They, they, they somehow ride lowrider whales. <laughs> they would have there would be more dreadlocks than are already in that movie, and, and none of even more none of them would be on 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 black people. Spider would be a, the exact same character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, the original screenplay was like 106 pages, and then he had like an additional 600 no, pages. 186. 86, okay. And he I had 800 pages of drawings and notes and a 15-minute TED Talk that he showed Robert Rodriguez the first time he talked to him about it in like 2005. Yeah, and, and at some point, um, the, there's a featurette where he talks about, uh, Robert Rodriguez talks about this because he'd, he'd followed this sort of production of Alita and so he was like getting lunch or something with uh, Cameron and he just brought up, hey, uh, you know, in response to Jim saying, I, th- I think I'm just going to make these Avatar movies for the rest of my life, which is, you know, let him cook. Uh, but he, Robert Rodriguez was just like, well, what, what about Alita? And uh, Jim just did the, had a passing thought that, you know, Rodriguez might be a good fit for him and so he like gave him the the that very long 186 page screenplay 
uh, you know, just to, to see if he could, you know, help uh, sort of fix because Jim felt he hit a wall with it, like that it was, you know, too long to uh, needed to be condensed. And Robert Rodriguez came back in a couple weeks, condensed the screenplay, and they were like, "This, this is the guy. This is the guy to hand it off to." I think, and I think it was to my decision. to my understanding, they were in pretty uh, like James Cameron only visited the set maybe like once or, or maybe twice. But to my understanding, because um, I don't think production on Avatar, I think there was a break in production on Avatar uh, two, three. I don't, I don't know the timeline of the Avatar production, um, but James Cameron, there's there's footage of him being on set. And to my understanding, it was a very open collaboration between them. So there is. You know, not just see this, this may just be written by James Cameron, but you can feel, at least I felt the James Cameron magic here. Yep. 100%. Yeah, actually, I think, I think Robert Rodriguez was kind of the perfect fit because he's the, he's able to uh, take all these, because Cameron's a very emotional film director. You know, he loves, yes. he yes. loves like, like character dynamics, really intense, intense passions with his characters. And, Robert Rodriguez then takes that and puts it in like visually where he's like, okay, we need to have her like, uh, she has to, she has to wield a minigun at some point, you know? Yeah. Cause, cause she, cause she wants it harder than everyone else, you know? Yeah. Well, that's also like manga mindset too. Like I think it Robert is. Rodriguez understands that, uh, that element of a uh, theatrical excess and the idea of like, oh yeah, no, you're just, you're, you're stronger than God because you're just, that pissed. If Robert Rodriguez wasn't <laughs> like, uh, if Robert Rodriguez was like ten years younger, he would be like on Twitter getting into fights about like which which Goku is the strongest Goku. <laughs> <laughs> he one hundred percent strikes me as like a like a Dragon Ball guy, you know, like he. <laughs> So much of like the of the yeah, stuff that he finds yeah, where I it's like it's like whimsical in the way that like a child's mind is whimsical. Like he's a he's he was the perfect pick for this. Yeah, I think I and I think he's also was also just a fan of the original work too. Um, uh, oh, is they, he a manga let me, guy? Let me pull up his name again. I I think maybe. A little bit. I'm gonna look um, up and but... see if Robert Rodriguez has ever talked well, about the, Dragon. The movie Ball. definitely feels pretty. Uh, respectful to the source material. Even if there's changes I don't agree with, nothing feels like it's made out of like contempt or disregard, you know? Uh, but yeah, they also flew uh, Kishiro out to the production a couple times. There's some, there's some footage of uh, him gifting uh, John Landau and, and James Cameron with like the box set of Alita manga and James Cameron gives him like a signed Avatar art book. And it's it's a really cute exchange. Hell yeah! Um, it's, it's, there's footage of of uh, Kishiro like walking around like with a big grin on his face at like the fact that they've built a real set out of his manga, which I, I can imagine is like st- literally stepping into a world that you created is is a bit of a mindfuck. Uh, well, I mean, for- also also having your movie direct or written by the guy who made Terminator Two: Judgment Day, like. Dude, well, that, gen- well, that generation of guys are all like, yeah, yeah, the, of of manga and anime guys and, and video game guys. Hideo Kojima is a really obvious example. Like, yeah, they all love Terminator and Aliens, yeah. and Blade Runner and all that stuff. So, like, it's just coming full circle. I looked it up. Probably, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, and apparently, Robert Rodriguez was actually offered the chance to direct uh, Dragon Ball Evolution, but he turned it down after he read the script. Well. 
Good, he, good choice. Yeah, I, I watched that once out of morbid curiosity. Was, I remember nothing uh, about. I, now, now I'm a hundred percent convinced, dude. He is definitely like he would. Have you ever seen that video of like when Dragon Ball Super was coming out and they were playing it in football stadiums in Mexico? Like he would have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I want to. I want to pass the mic to Esther though because you have a absolutely amazing queer reading of this film yes let's let's keep sticking because this is this is this is something i i really loved uh here yeah about this movie so yeah i i mean i guess just I mean, let's give you some background um so like i was not out as trans when this movie came out um i kind of like had i kind of knew what was going on for a long time but i had really repressed it and buried it pretty deep and you know it just was like did not think it was something that I would ever like deal with basically. Um, and then I saw this movie and it just like, it was like the, the, the key, like just mm-hmm. in, into the lock, just like click. And it just like everything in my brain just like came, you know, un- unraveling and spilling out. Um, and that's why I saw it six times. <laughs> um, yeah. Because <laughs> it, this movie, like, I don't know. It, it's hard. It, it, I mean, it's not hard to explain. I wrote the whole thing explaining it. I wrote that, by the way, as I, like I said, I saw the movie at the Thursday previews. I think I wrote that on Friday and published it the day the movie came out, which makes me almost certainly the first person in history to introduce the queer reading of Alita Battle Angel. 100%. Um, I, I saw woo-hoo! some other people. Uh, I saw when I was looking through articles on the production and reception and stuff, one of them was like, and uh, there's a trans allegory in this. It was like a very, but it was like very like content art mill nah, article. Dude, they need to run and then I clicked through right the article now. that they linked <laughs> and that article was just quoting you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, holy shit. Let's yeah, go. Your, your legacy. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean like, so I guess I'll do like a rundown of the deal with the movie. It's like, you know, Alita, uh, wakes up in this, you know, body she doesn't recognize, right? Um, It's been given to her by her parents, by her dad, um, who has clearly this vision for the way he wants her life to go and the way that he sees her and understands her. Um, But that, like, introduces tension because clearly that doesn't vibe with the way she sees herself as she comes to understand herself better. And eventually, you know, she feels this draw to this, to the berserker body, right? And she's like oh my God, like this body is me. Like, this is what I am. This is what I need to be. And of course, you know, her dad is like, no, I'm not, there's no no way I'm going to allow that to happen. Um, you know, I will not let you uh, be in this in this body that you're identifying with. Um, at which point, and in the excerpts that, that you read earlier, mm-hmm. um, you know, she goes on this, basically the suicide mission where she goes to antagonize the most dangerous people in town and then pick a fight with like the deadliest bounty hunter or the, 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 the deadliest, you know, criminal in the city um, immediately after that uh, gets torn up, forces, you know, to put her in this body, which immediately, you know, molds itself to her subconscious yeah. image of herself. Um and, you know, makes the, the body literally makes itself be the way that she sees herself in her own mind. Yes. Um, and it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> like it to yeah. me, like the it like it was like, you know, as clear as like a gong on a mountaintop at sunrise. The way this, you know, like it just like rang out reverberated like in my soul just like oh my god this is this is like 
this is crazy. Um, did they know when they were making this movie what, what the movie <laughs> did, was about? <laughs> what did they know? I, I, I'm going to say almost never. Except, except in the case of the Matrix, they never. Yeah, no, yeah. of course. Yeah, no. They, I, I'm uh, sure. Like, yeah. I'm sure if you told Robert Rodriguez and James Cameron, if you gave them my article, they'd be like, "Ah, oh, huh, that's interesting." <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he would be gat. He would fuck with it. Sue, isn't there a scene you were describing? Because I, I unfortunately didn't have time to to read some of the manga. I wish I did. Uh, but you, you were telling me there is a there is a scene in in the so, manga. In in the in the manga, and, and this is kind of an interesting contrast. So in the manga, Ito doesn't have a daughter or a wife. He just uh, wants to make something beautiful. He just finds this head and torso, and this is like that's beautiful. I'm going to make a beautiful doll daughter. Uh, and uh, Alita's kind of assertion of her own agency, in contrast to to that, is an ongoing thing through like the first four volume, three or four volumes. Um, and when he so in the manga, the berserker body is something Ito just has laying around. He found it and put it in his basement and he puts Alita into it after she's smashed to death and her or smashed almost to death in her first big fight. So he's like, this is dangerous and probably too much. And it's not what I had intended, but I just want her to be safe and protected more than anything. Um, and in the manga, they explicitly say this is an interesting contrast that the gender of the berserker body is totally arbitrary and Ito just decided it was female because well Alita's a girl. Yeah. There there's another That's actually that's really uh, yeah, interesting. There, there is a moment I think where she's talking to um uh she's talking to like a guy who's making like equipment for for the motorball stuff. Um about that. God, I don't remember how it goes. Um but he he questions like um why are you in that? You know, why why are you in like a woman's body or something? Because um, you know, yeah, he, he, he just like sees her as basically like a cyborg. Like, kind of like gender is like kind of irrelevant in the motorball world where everyone is just like a big hulking fucking like very practically built robot with just like you know whatever they need to have to win. Um, yeah. And she says she says something there like, um, uh, "I want to be a razor's edge" or something is her line there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants to be yeah a a a blade or yeah. I remember, I remember that part now. Yeah, They're she wants to be a, a blade, a weapon. Picking, piggybacking off that, uh, mm-hmm. I love the line in the movie when she gets when she gets smashed up, and or and they're carrying her out, and fucking uh, uh, Jennifer Connelly's character just does does like the like like crying soy face, and is like like you know you br- you bring her back as many times as you like, we'll just we'll just destroy her again, you know, we'll never stop hounding you, like you'll never be what you want to be. And then it immediately cuts after the berserker montage, after, after she gets put in the body to, to, to Christoph Waltz, just like gently touching her shoulder and being like, no one will dare harm you ever again. I was like, fuck, that's so hard. Another, another thing I was also thinking of, um, sort of also in, in more in contrast to sort of, cause I, I'm sure that sort of mother daughter kind of relationship is, is a string or an element to their relationship with the manga. But, but here it's the, the primary sort of factor through which you understand uh, Ido and Lita's relationship. And uh, I mean, whatever it comes to reading things through a queer subtext, I'm always very conscientious of, you know, parent child relationships, uh, especially, you know, 
father-daughter, father-son relationships. And I, I see their storyline, their, you know, character relationship as being, you know, very, very beautiful in that aspect and sort of, uh, you know, ha- his configuration of a father figure to her, um, you know, considering how, how wrought a lot of um, queer people's experiences with their own parents are and sort of at the end of the day, you know, despite at first, you know, resisting uh, Alita, you know, wanting to inhabit this this body that she feels is really the reflection of, of herself, her, her real body. Um, he, when, after she gets smashed up, he just completely unconditionally puts her in the berserker body, the the body she wants to be in. And that sort of, um, I, I found something very touching about their relationship and that sort of um, acceptance uh, uh, to, to sort of use the first word that comes to mind. And again, Christoph Waltz is a fucking excellent actor. I mean, the, the part where he's explaining the berserker body, uh, like he's he's saying, and, and the sort of Mars shit which is like on paper i can imagine just like it again like ova dialogue like like anime ass dialogue and he just sells it so well because he's such a good actor even even wearing these the the fucking goofy ass uh pilgrim hat like you buy it yeah um and again i i i can't give a tip of a hat enough to to rosa salazar for holding this whole thing together because again this entire movie lives and dies on her performance and her ability to emote all of these subtle things and this uh you know the physicality of her performance her facial expressions like it all hinges on that and i i also think you know uh, uh, as well just the the notion of queer subjectivity and sort of how how that dovetails with you know the idea of inhabiting a body and and being present in a body those things are very intertwined in her uh that was another thing esther i think you you really discussed beautifully in that substack piece is just how you know the the queer i wouldn't even call it subtext just the queer reading of this of this film the queer experience it it, it uh whether intentionally or unintentionally conveys um, uh, speaks to that experience, uh, and it, it just as as a as you know the question of uh, the, just my body is not my body. There's something wrong with my body. This is my body. This is the body I want to have, and this is the body I want to have. It. This is me. It re- we, uh, yeah, it really cannot be stated enough how fucking amazing Rosa Salazar is in this movie. She's like. Yeah. I, I think I've said in the past what I've really been cooking, like she's just the best screen performance of all time. I think I've said that before. Um, but no, she's like, she's, there's this amazing, this gesture, this facial expression I think of all the time when um, after the first, after they, she and Hugo have gone to watch the first motorball game and uh, Hugo's like, oh, we're going, uh, you know, going outside the city tomorrow. Uh, you know, do you want to come with? We're going to look at old Mark and stuff. And she makes <laughs> this face. She's from Brooklyn. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> but she makes this face where she like does this. I've n- think she does this face that I've never seen another actor do, where she like bites her lip while smiling, where she's like clearly embarrassed and like trying to hide how happy she is, and she's like, mm, "Yeah, I'd really appreciate that, thanks." And it's just like, yeah, just such like a great, greatly detailed performance. Um, I don't think I've ever capture. seen her in, like, a in, in motion where, like, capture. You know, yeah, I don't think yeah. I've ever seen and, her in anything before this. I'm looking at her her filmography. I guess she's an American Horror Story. I'm glad she got out. That 
The Ryan Murphy yeah. content mines. Are, are... She escaped Ryan that's, Murphy's that's, orbit. That's purgatory. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what we gotta get Evan. We gotta stage like a fucking like like we gotta free midnight Evan raid on, on on Ryan Murphy's house to get uh, <laughs> to get Evan locked in the basement. Movies again. Uh, but I mean, off of that, we should probably talk a little bit about the visual effects too, because most of uh, Alita's body was done by Weta. Uh, which uh RIP Weta Well no Weta Weta visual effects is still no, around it, is, it yeah. was okay. their like R&D department got sold to um was it Epic or Unity It was it was, it was Unity. Unity and then Unity, okay. Unity, Unity yeah. folded and it then, in to their to their company and then they just like so, let go everyone that was superfluous yeah, they did what those companies always do, which is buy the intellectual property and like whatever hardware they had, and and then as soon as whatever contract or thing expires, just fire everybody. Yeah, uh, they're in trouble. No one wants to use Unity <laughs> anymore because of all their terrible monetization schemes. <laughs> they're but they're going under. But yeah, no. Thank thankfully the the the, the chill part, the part of Weta that that makes Avatar two in this movie uh, is still around. Yeah, I think because again, a lot of the technology at at play here was just stuff that they were going to end up using for Avatar. Yeah, uh, like literally they, without without Oliva, Avatar two probably wouldn't be what I didn't, it is. I didn't look at it uh, yet, but I I know that uh, Avatar two did something where they only capture like like a third of the face so that they can like like g- generate the others part of the skull like in a weird way like they like because the 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 navi or whatever like they're they're like longer they're 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 kind of stretched out people you know like they don't have like their faces aren't as wide as they are so they only captured like the middle like like 60 percent of the face um and then cut the ends off and it wouldn't surprise me if that technology came from how they blended like uh like rosa salazar's face onto the cgi and vice versa well, a lot of this, the like early kind of prototyping in R and D on the technology for Avatar started as part of developing the the first attempt to get an Alita movie off oh, the ground. So yeah, it kind of comes yeah. full circle again. Yeah, uh, but I, I I wanted to broach a question because we we complain a lot about CGI on this show because we see a lot of bad CGI, bad green screen. That kind of everything sort of glossy and hazy, and your eyes just kind of slide off of it, and you don't feel engaged. Um, what separates good CGI from bad CGI? It's, it's a big question, but however anybody wants to uh, tackle it, like, um, like what I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a swing first and just just say something. I think that this um, and I I do think like the uh, ideal version of this movie would have been like a full hard R sort of you know James Cameron uh, directed sort of thing but you know whatever I I want three more of these little bug-eyed bitches please immediately <laughs> I will I will use I will send all of my I don't think James Cameron needs my money but I will if let's get the Patreon yeah, up because I will, I will sacrifice it. my Patreon cut for Alita 2 I want my red um, fire but, Navi and I want six more Alita battling <laughs> I want this shit to be a yearly goddamn franchise but I, I'm, I'm gonna say just design, visual design, and you know, compositing's definitely there. There, but I, I think, you know, on some level, uh, especially in like genre films, uh, 
you know, mostly where you're going to big budget genre films. I mean, uh, you know, they need to be, they needs to, the visuals need to be fun. The, uh, you know, compile, it doesn't have to be photorealistic. You know, it has to be a little cartoony maybe and, and not, um, completely yoked to realism. Um, yeah. uh, like again, there is a cyborg who is just nothing but knives you're not going to see that ever in an MCU movie. Uh, there's fucking Revolver Ocelot and his fucking dogs shows up. Uh, there's it's <laughs> crazy. See, it's it's the the imagination I think underneath the CG because I mean we we talked about how sort of shoddy or, or Stu, you talked about in, when we did Mortal Kombat how sort of even though that was very low resolution, very early CGI, how it had you know you're you're charmed by it because it has that sort of uh, avant garde kind of quality. yeah it's, it's got a, it's it's like so blatantly artificial and, yeah, and weird it's, it's kind of surreal it. uh yeah and, there's uh, like um uh oh fuck zephyr what's his what's his zanpan what's his what's his name again zapan zapan zephyr zanpan who the, the, the fuck is zephyr who's who the fuck is zephyr zapan i cook Zipan, all my zans in zapan uh because he's he's just you know a face sort of you know cgi grafted onto a robot body and you know the, look at it the first time and of course it you know doesn't look real it's not like it's not like when fucking uh robocop takes the helmet off and it's you know uh fucking actual guy's face surrounded by like makeup and prosthetics to give that appearance like there's no prosthetic work going on there but like i imagine if i saw a guy's fucking face plastered to like a robot body it would be uncanny and i think sort of a you need to also have a sort of uh healthy dose of uncanny for something to be visually distinct as well um i think that's kind of a part of the secret sauce that makes like some something like speed racer really work or uh maybe for a lot of people turns them off of speed racer but i think that's a a, a quality uh or, or a, yeah, a, a, so definitely a, a feature like, not a bug a feature not a bug i would say yeah visual distinctness is a big part of that and that yeah. comes down to both art design little it's a million little things uh kind of adding together uh esther did you have a take on yeah i think i mean i think what you're saying nicole is like totally true of like i think if you just strive for realism um you lose like i'll say this so i i, I there's a review i wrote of the game alan wake 2 which i think is probably going to be out by the time this episode comes out um where i talk about how like in video games um there has been just sort of like across that industry this drive for photorealism that sort of made people forget or like take for granted that like photorealism is itself like an aesthetic decision right like yeah you are making an artistic choice to make everything look hyper real um that is no less an artistic choice than like you know doing cell shading in a zelda game right um and i think when you're talking about movie cgi it's kind of the same thing of like people will just be like, oh, we'll just try to make it look as real as possible. And they forget to make like uh, an actual artistic decision with that. So like, you know, you have uh, what I, when I think of bad CGI, I think of stuff that like is trying to just look real on a basic level, but doesn't really have any like expressiveness or like artistic direction um, or like sort of aesthetic decisions in any real way. It's Mm -hmm. just like, you know, 
uh, we're, we're just trying to make it look real, quote unquote. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And also like having a having like some sort of grounding, I think, and some sort of weight, um, mm-hmm. like you know, like like Alita has with I think the motion capture and in Avatar two as well. Um, in Avatar as well, and Avatar two as well. Um, really, Avatar two like, two exactly as well. um because you're doing motion capture and because it is real actors it never has that feeling of like just like a a, an animated like doll being flung around in blender basically um (laughs) you know what i mean like i remember like a a talking like a talking raccoon that's just kind of there next to robert downey jr and no exactly like when avengers endgame came out i think i've said this in my letterbox post about that movie like something that really like unlocked for me watching that movie is like in the first iron man movie in the first couple movies it's like a whole fucking procedure for him to put on his suit right like he has to like walk through this like you know archway that like puts on all the pieces and stuff one by one and assembles it all and it makes it feel like more real it makes it feel like this is a real like heavy fucking thing that this guy is wearing and you know by the time avengers endgame comes out he just like blinks once and it just like materializes on yeah, top of him in this ugly effect. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that does that is like bad CGI to me. And it's like because it's also comes with like a storytelling and an artistic decision of like it was it looked better when it felt real and it felt realer when it was like it had that grounding element of like, yeah, he's putting it on piece by piece, and it makes it feel like, oh, more like, oh, this is like a real thing this guy is doing than just like Oh, it's fucking like, you know, it might as well be a Halloween costume. It just shows up on top of him. Like it means it means nothing watching this. Exactly. Yeah. And and, and it's not even it, the fact that it's instantaneous isn't even given any like narrative weight. Like it's just something that happened off screen in between. It was, films. It was just yeah. something this the screenwriters or whoever decided on because it made making the movie easier. Well, no, Iron like, Man has had. The suit could just appear. Iron and Man has had that for like 20 years now. He's had like, but. But the thing is, in the comics, that that came at, like, a great physical cost. Like, when he first gets the nanite suit and I think, like, 2009 or something like that, uh, it's stored in, like, the hollows of his bones. So he has to, like... <laughs> Uh, like er, like he he's, That's he's completely drained <laughs> out all man. of his blood to like replace it with the suit and then later in that like same run um he ends up like uh due to a scheme by the mandarin like he gets caught like videotaped like drunk driving the iron man suit that rocks and the government the government basically like like ends up turning him into like a weapon that they can turn off and on because they give him like essentially like an ankle bracelet for for turning that suit off and on. So he's essentially put himself into the the corner. Exactly. Where by like, you know, by making the suit instantaneous and, and only he can operate it. Now there's only one guy that you have to take out. You know, you can't just call his black friend and go put the Iron Man suit on for a week. Yeah. Um, But on the topic of CGI, I was actually thinking about this in the shower uh right before we were doing the episode ooh shower thought the it was, it was shower. a shower thought and uh i was I, I think to me it comes down to intent and a lot of that is a lot of that intent is like the difference between a creative decision and a financial one like uh the idea of, of essentially cutting corners i'm actually a very very cgi pro 
person. I mean, fuck, I have positive reviews on most of the Michael Bay Transformers films. Like, uh, never you mind your Star Wars sequels. Positive reviews on the Star Wars prequels. Exactly. Prequels, the prequels. Exactly. I have, I have perfect opinions. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that, like, with, with a lot of the CGI, a lot of the CGI discourse, it's like the idea that, like, well, everything was better when things were all practical. And I, I do think that they maybe visually on average looked better, but also like when you use CGI as a tool, you can do amazing things with cinema. Oh my God. Like I was watching that behind the scenes featurette where they talked about how in the Batman, like they kept trying to go out at sunset to capture like the perfect golden hour. And then eventually they were just like, Oh, we're going to use that like fake ass, like uh, CGI matte painting thing that the Disney, Disney company has the volume, the volume. The volume yeah. And like that, that movie single-handedly like legitimized the volume as a tool to me. And then I think avatar two also used it. It's like, you can, you can use these things, but you have to be thinking sort of in the same way as like, a prop guy on star Wars where you have to like, you have to look at things and think of them like not immediately as they are. Like you look at like a, like turning a, 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 uh, like a piece of camera equipment into like a gun or, or, or slapping a bunch of like, uh, car parts onto, uh, like old world war two pieces of equipment. And that's like a lightsaber um... with CGI, you know, you have to like, Think of like, well, what can I turn something else into with that? And it doesn't look like anything that exists in this real world. You know, it's something new. I have an in- interesting anecdote on that. Uh, so there's a Blade Runner point and click adventure game from 1998 oh, yeah, that's done one. by Westwood Studios. Yeah, yeah the Conquer guys. And they, the art design wasn't really coming together and they're trying to figure out why. And they looked at how the props were made for the original movie and realized, well, they were like, kit bashing stuff they had laying around and bought from stores or, or retrofitted from scrapyards or whatever. So what they did was they gave the artists a bunch of stock models and were like, you can combine these and trim them and rotate them, change the scale or whatever, but you have to use these stock assets. You can't just make every bit of the world from scratch. I don't know how strictly that was that, of course across that, the board, that really but they tracks, did that for a lot of the backgrounds. Actually, because um, a lot of the, a lot of the times whenever we get that like uh uh like eighties nostalgia, like synthwave revivalism kind of stuff, it it feels so so much more fake than just actually listening to like the music that they were making at the like 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 the fuck the whole like vaporwave scene. It's like you can just listen to actual eighties music and it doesn't it doesn't sound like that because you're you're working back from the point of someone that's like consumed the culture and not creating it. You know, you're like you, you, all of your lyrics have to reference like RoboCop and Blade Runner be, and like Miami Vice or whatever because that's that's in your head like what someone that, oh, that it's, like, yeah it's pastiche yeah, yeah it's pastiche and it's it's what someone that you would want to consume this would have also consumed so you're like trying to forge an an, an emotional connection to um to the audience by just saying things that they know. And that just, I mean, the, the sort of the whole point of our podcast is that that doesn't really yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a, actually just on a, on a slight digression on that note, I think the most interesting way to approach revivalism is to pick up on like the aesthetic dead ends and keep developing them. 
Yeah. Rather I, than explicitly trying to evoke a past era. I think that um, that, that definitely works better. I mean, I'm, I, 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 I'm not fully as on board. I, I know we talked about this off the podcast, uh, but I do think that that, that, that is a, a 100% like a better mindset than just like treating it like it's, it's, it's a, like it's a club that you're joining, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's the least interesting way to do it, um, and the most kind of boring and just yeah, like just relying on familiarity. Also, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to talk about uh, about Alita as as an adaptation because even though I haven't read the source yeah. material, I've sort of been uh, I've been before, thinking. Before we do, yeah. could I give my piece on the CGI? Oh, thing? I'm sorry. I thought I, I'm uh, fuck. I forgot. Don't forget. Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> No, no worries. Um, so I just before we we move on to that, I just for for my money on the CGI thing, I always kind of go back to uh, Jurassic Park and like why why does this movie still hold up despite being so early in the technology? And I think uh, in addition to what everyone else said, and and contributing to I think a very core idea, which is just like kind of aesthetic coherence across the board, which is regardless of realism, just having a visual language and style that's striking and evocative and consistent, whatever technology is being used to execute it, uh, is the, the, uh, using CGI in conjunction with other forms, mm -hmm. uh, it's like Jurassic park works because you have, uh, a, a, you, you see a whole CGI dinosaur and then you cut up close to an animatronic head. And then you cut back to the whole CGI dinosaur or foot or whatever. And the whole CGI dinosaur and its fluid motion and the fact that you can see all of it and there's no wires sells the idea of its existence as a great big animal moving around. And then the animatronic head sells the existence of, of, of it having that tactile, concrete physical existence. Um, but the previous shot CGI body makes you feel like there's still something attached to that head off screen and you're not just like, oh, that's just a, a, an animatronic head on a stick and they're never showing it in full because the full one doesn't exist. And it's the interplay between the two that enhances both. Yeah. Uh, and I think I, this I movie think had yeah. Uh, enough yeah. practical oh, yeah. work that it helped sell the reality of the stuff that's CGI and green screen. Yeah. Again, real, real sits, which uh, this movie was mostly shot in Texas uh, to tie it back into to our riff about Texan uh, Avatar whales. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Rodriguez is a is a hometown loyalist guy. He uh, he likes to make his stuff in in Austin. Actually, as a counterpoint uh, to Stu's to Stu's thesis, I wanted to a, a really good thing that does not like and and admittedly this was mostly due to budget reasons. But I think if you're going to if you're going to do CGI and you don't have the budget to make it look perfectly realistic when it's interfacing with a human being uh i think that that like establishing some kind of like narrative barrier between the cgi elements and the uh the like practical ones works really well in uh in the, the battlestar galactica reboot where they wanted to, to they didn't want to do like model spaceship battles they wanted to do um they wanted to do like it, it, you know, in CGI because one, it saves a shitload of money, and two, it uh, <laughs> allowed them to like have these big, huge, sweeping, epic scenes where like a hundred people die 
but you don't have to shoot and destroy a hundred models to do it. And they do, they, they accomplish this really well, I think, by just never having any of the CG elements interact with a human being. Like all of the spaceships are CGI, but then if you like cut to a cockpit interior, that's all practical. Yeah, um, that, yeah, that's true. Like just sidestepping the problem of compositing by exactly. just not compositing uh also yeah. works really good and then they and then they break that own rule when they uh introduce the cylon like soldiers and they, they're just fucking they look fake as shit and really bad uh-huh. <laughs> but the show is still amazing so you you wanted to discuss uh alita as an adaptation yeah so i was i was thinking yeah i think uh i was thinking earlier about like a lot of times when i was watching this movie i got flashbacks to sam raimi's spider-man and Part of the reason why was because it feels like it's trying to relay the source material to um, the audience in a way like you would adapt a book or uh, or a uh, or a television show or a uh, video game or something. And I think that one of the biggest problems in comic books is that they don't do that like when they when they make a movie about like fucking captain marvel or whatever they first like you know they come up with they they boil the character down to a couple elements and then they um essentially think like what works and what doesn't they throw it all out uh and then from there they just continue stripping stripping down parts until it's vaguely approximates something that is interesting enough for everyone, but not really thrilling to anyone in particular, and they could ship it all across the world. And you contrast that with something like this movie, where this movie is is more, I mean, they do add and they do change things, like every, every good adaptation does, but uh, they don't start from a perspective of we need this to be we need to sell people on the name Alita Battle Angel, and we'll do that by any means necessary. You know, it's not like we need to make a billion dollars. It's how do we make Alita Battle Angel um, like big and big and faithful enough? I hate using the word faithful because I think there's like there's so much discussion online caught up between uh, like two camps of people who are like. Uh, actually, if if a, if a movie is good and I like it, it's 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 perfect and it's a good adaptation and a good take on the character and like slavish devotion to the source material. And I don't think either being a Batman's ears are only three point two inches exa- long. Exactly. <laughs> like I, I, I think that I think that like the best case uh, example of like the you know slavish devotion to the source material is. Like Zack Snyder's Watchmen, I don't really like. Like, I'm not crazy about Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Like, it's like, it's it's a it's, it's a perfectly right. fine it's movie. Right. But but like, I can just read Watchmen. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. I don't gain anything yeah. from this. And that this, it's like, not only do I now know the the basic summary of like a decent chunk of the manga because this this is like the first volume or whatever of the manga right it's, it, this, yeah, this it's like the takes, first two this takes like the first four volumes oh, okay. and then runs them all in parallel next to each other so it's so th- in, so in the I, manga all of these plots happen like one after the other exactly so i i now have enough of a jump start on the media that i'm not a complete like newbie you know 
And mm-hmm. I, I, but I've also like from a, from a deeper perspective, I've gained an appreciation and an understanding of the themes that the, the author was trying to convey with this work. Like I understand that there is a, yeah. a st- struggle for identity and self-actualization that is not possible because of this like hyper capitalist uh, empire that they've created. And I think that like, the, the best thing about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies to me is it's like it takes the you know it takes the Ditko run, puts it you know bullet point summaries and then turns that into a movie and then it does sort of the same thing with like later seventies Spider-Man and the second one and the third one's a little bit more inspired by like late eighties early nineties uh, Spider-Man and I think that like yeah just fucking like the shit that you make I don't know. <laughs> It's it's such a it's such a huge <laughs> yeah. a huge like juxtaposition from like you know this movie it's like they were they were basically like having group jerk off sessions over the manga every every like three fucking months <laughs> they could from what I understand and then like yeah like Nia DaCosta being like what the fuck is a Captain Marvel after she's like already finished the movie. <laughs> well it's and I don't I, I don't blame her for that because it's like I would the problem that shit too here is like because there's adaptations we like that are disrespectful to the source material oh yeah fritz uh, the cat concerned with it like batman i was gonna say fritz cat's good example batman returns starship Starship troopers Troopers. but they are interested in doing something and i think the problem with take on the source material yeah versus which is uh starting from what do we think the audience wants and how can we squeeze whatever we're starting with and deform it and amputate it to fit that box versus going the other direction, which is uh, what do I want to say or what am I moved by or fascinated by? And that's the problem with stuff like the MCU is it's not just that there's uh, 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 having to compromise with commercial interest. It's that there is no vision or artistic statement or desire or emotion outside of what will the audience like it's purely it's pandering in the most literal sense it's obsequious media yeah it's like like me like me i need you to like and, me i want you to like because me so bad i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback off that before we wrap up because this is an extra special episode i'm gonna do something yeah. absolutely insane which is i think a really good good a good step forward in this direction of like legitimizing comic books as adaptable literature is uh James Gunn's Superman movie in which like <laughs> I, I think the movie's gonna suck yeah. to be frank like I don't think the movie's gonna be good but every fucking image of that movie even or, or, or like like tweet about that movie has a picture of all-star Superman in it and I, I actually I don't think they're adapting all-star Superman I think they're adapting uh um uh Superman versus the or not Superman versus the elite uh truth justice and and what's so funny about truth, justice, and and uh, and the American way? But it's like he he is he is starting from a place of like I've read this shit, I like this shit, like, and it translates. Like famously, uh, when he announced like the first ten DC movies that are frankly never going to happen, um, <laughs> they no. were they were accompanied by like images of like here's what the screenwriters are reading while they're writing this shit. And then if you looked on Amazon, like all those books immediately fucking sold out. Like they, like people yeah. were like, oh, I'm going to fucking read this, you know, because I want to know more about this shit. So, um, yeah, that is the, that is the approximately two minutes of me praising James Gunn. Uh, 
Wow. It, it will wow. never happen it'll again. Never it'll never, happen it literally again. never happen it, it, again. And it happened on like the rare episode where we talk about a movie we like. Yeah. Um, it's be, it's, so I think it's because we, of that. <laughs> everyone's feeling good. So before we go to the outro, Esther, did you have any other kind of final uh, thoughts on Alita or movies in general or, or kind of wrap ups or conclusions? Uh, I hope if if James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez are listening to this, Please. I would like to write the sequel personally. Um, I think I could do a good job. I've been thinking about it for a long time. Um, also, I did just want to bring up that in the Wikipedia page for this movie, in the planned sequels section, there's a whole like list of occasions where the two of them like have said that they want to do the sequel, just like one after the other. And one of them just says, in December 2022, Rodriguez and Cameron took a virtual blood oath to make a sequel. <laughs> A virtual what does that mean? Blood oath. <laughs> they, they, they goon together. I, I like that, that the idea that, that they're rocks. they're like broing out over making these movies. I I, I, I'd see another. Do one. we do we want to shout, shout out to the Alita Army by the way? Yeah. Still yeah. follow me on Twitter years Has, later. And hashtag Alita Army. We're gonna and, and I want to say like I had like I, I read the manga right before this. It was very fresh in my memory and I, and I liked it a lot. But I liked this movie. I think it's a good movie and it's worth watching. Yeah, you gave it a heart. Um, I, you did give it a heart. Yeah, it's a stew heart. Uh, I did, do we yeah, want to do a yeah. watch something in addition? Uh yeah, watch something too. Yeah. I, I got I got I got literally one that I've already suggested in the past, well, wanted, but there is a connective tissue. First. Yeah, let's yeah, ask, let's I'm, ask. I'm sorry. I'm I'm so rude. Uh, Esther, <laughs> what would you what would you recommend sort of uh, as a sort of accompanying viewing material or or something that sort of sparks a, a similar thing in your brain or something that shares uh thematic or uh sort of and any sort of similarity you can think of for any reason with Alita Battle Angel. I mean, like, I assume everyone who can hear my voice right now has seen the film The Matrix, um, like, which is the obvious uh, double feature with Alita Battle Angel. So what I'll say instead is a film that came out this year, directed by Robert Rodriguez, called Hypnotic with oh, Ben Affleck. Oh, I gotta watch that. Which is like... Hey. Wait, that was him? Oh, that I didn't was even him. know this was a thing. I saw this movie the- in theaters because in order to support Robert Rodriguez, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was one of five people who did. It is an awesome, like dumb guy, genius type movie. It has Ben Affleck as a guy who gets like wrapped up in a world of evil hypnotists. Um, <laughs> okay. They're like, some, they're Rodriguez. great, like sicko, like twists and turns uh, and, and crazy, uh, you know, reveals along the way it is a fun really stupid awesome movie i I love fucking robert rodriguez it's cool that he like had like a bad star wars show and it did not affect him in the slightest like he was just like no he survived he was just like i was getting a bag (laughs) nothing does because if 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 anything fails for him he'll just be like well okay i'll just make like an exploitation action movie for a million dollars because i know how to just make a uh uh, dolly out of PVC pipe. He knows all of these super low budget movie making tricks. He'll just he'll just make movies for nothing yeah. until yeah. he gets a shot at something big again. It's, and then he, he, he can't probably be make Avatar five when James Cameron is ninety eight years old and can't do it. Anymore. He bet big yeah. on like the original three D boom, and somehow it like didn't kill his career. Like he rocks so hard. <laughs> I remember my friend had one of those really shitty like two thousand four. 3D TVs, and literally the only movie that he had for it that was in 3D was fucking Spy Kids 3. 
Yeah. Well, I, that might have been the only movie Alita that came 3D, out on DVD in 3D. I, that's actually the first yeah. DVD that came with classes. We, I, we had it when I, we I, I remember that too. I, it yep. was like yeah. a steel box, like not a, not a steel box, but like it was like, like it had like fake rivets on it and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, do either of you two Alita want to Alita in first? 3D, by the way. I saw it. Several of the times I saw it was in was in 3D, and the 3D was really good. And I'm still kind of sad that I will probably never get to see it that way again. I, I think Avatar I watched- Two was the only time I liked the only other time I liked a, a movie in 3D other than oh, uh, Hugo, which if, no one remembers. If I saw Avatar Two in in 3D, I would genuinely probably have a psychotic breakdown. I I saw it on a relatively potent edible too. I was there. Oh, dude, I saw nice. Pandora. Nice. Dude, no, same. I, I I got the Pandora mental illness. Like I was legitimately like bummed out for like the week <laughs> after because I was like, I want to I want to fucking talk to a whale. I was like, I, I can't believe this movie made me almost cry because of a, a space whale. But uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to Avatar too. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll have to go back and watch Avatar too. Uh, cool. Uh, Did you have a a watch? I have a I have uh, a watch. Also? Watch all. I actually have two two things by the by uh, that both involve the same person. The first I'm going to do okay. is I'll read something else, which is Frank Miller's Ronin, which is basically like the guy version of this. Uh, which is about it's about it's 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 totally like uh downwind of like the same um movies and stuff that influenced robert rodriguez uh and also probably maybe a little bit inspired by uh by alita because when did that manga come out because this was 1983 when this was released oh the manga is 90 to 95 oh okay so maybe honestly maybe ronan influenced the uh the the development of Alita Battle Angel. What uh but yeah it's it's a uh Frank Miller story about ninjas in the future uh in New York City. It's it's great. Uh it's basically the entire reason that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles exists outside of like Daredevil. And my second one is an episode of Batman the Animated Series, uh just sort of piggybacking off the idea of like uh, of adapting things and the transformative power of adaptation. Uh, it is uh, episode 19 of the new Batman adventures and it is called Legends of the Dark Knight and it ad- 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 it adapts uh, partially the uh, the one of the chapters of the Dark Knight returns and it is genuinely the reason that that, that uh, book is as big as it is. Is because of that episode because um, Frank Miller's Batman stuff was kind of like the like Batman fans like favorite book. You know, it was it was a it was a book for the fans, but it didn't really translate well into uh, into into sales in the secondary market as much. And then this episode came out, and is basically the reason that like everyone knows who like Frank Miller's Batman is. Um, it's also the only Batman the Animated Series episode where Kevin Conroy doesn't do the Batman voice. They get uh, they get Michael Ironside to voice the Holy shit. voice the future Batman <laughs> in it. It's awesome. It's also very very Alita core. There's so much about the. I was flipping through pictures of the manga on Google Images, and I was like, wow, this feels like like kind of like Frank Miller's brand of cyberpunk that he likes a little bit. Uh, where everyone just kind of makes sense insane. if there was crossover there. Yeah. yeah. And so those are my two uh, to watch something else. I'm, I'm being greedy this time. It's all right. Um, 
Mine is, I, I, I think I already named it. I said I, I should have saved it for this one because it, it has a lot more in common. Uh, Rintaro's Metropolis, uh, because Rintaro actually uh, oversaw the animation for the uh, uh, Alita anime. So there's there's some connect tissue, connective, connective tissue. <laughs> We're all there. Over our words. Um, it is. It is also a, a movie with a, a female cyborg uh, robot character, uh, a giant sort of uh, city plagued inherently by like uh, class disparity, giant megastructure. A uh, beautiful, beautiful movie based on Osama Tezuka's um, manga. Um, you know, shares a lot thematically with uh, Fritz Lang's uh, Metropolis as well. Uh, it's a gorgeous movie. Sometimes I think about the fact that this was like, and again, she was going to roll his eyes and be like, the Oscars are gay and fake. What? Sh- shut up. But like, <laughs> I sometimes, I sometimes think about the fact that this movie was submitted for like the first, like the inaugural, like best animated feature category. And you know what movie it lost out to for its spot? Fucking Shrek. the Jimmy. No. Oh. Worse. <laughs> Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Jeez. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, I, actually, uh, I, I saw look that. I, I saw that uh, Metropolis. My dad rented it when it came it's out. Beautiful. It, when it's, I was a kid. It's perfect. It's a perfect movie. I looked it up to see if there was any connective tissue, and apparently uh, Yukito Kashiro got into like a, a little bit of trouble on Twitter because someone found out that he like swiped a bunch of comic book drawings for for like poses in Alita. Now I'm pro, I'm pro tracing. I support I support any kind of artistic theft whatsoever. Steal, lie, cheat, steal, rob to get a bag by any means necessary. Uh, so that rocks. Actually, hey, that bomber rocks guy's that gonna come for you. He's like a. I, 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 that's because plagiarism is plagiarizing stuff for a video essay is lame. Yeah, that's stealing lame. stealing that's, like that the the design from a ninja for the ninjas in Elite Battle Angel from like a seventies Daredevil comic rocks that rocks yeah cool uh, uh and stew uh mine are uh I, th- I think i've recommended uh uh um Bl- blam yeah 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 i was gonna say read that uh by uh 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 sutomo nihai uh i feel like it was definitely influenced by alita it's a really cool manga it's got some overlapping kind of trans post-humanist stuff uh all the mega structure stuff. And I'm going to say, um, rollerball. Yeah. I was going to recommend rollerball also. Um, because that's the, the motorball stuff in Alita definitely comes from that movie. Um, which is the classic, a classic seventies, uh, uh, sci-fi dystopian movie where, uh, James Kahn is is the one athlete in the brutal, ultra violent future sport of motorball, who's gotten so big he could he could upend the rule of the corporations. It's great. Uh, I was gonna say, what did the Mary what did the Mary Sue give this movie? Actually, uh, I, I would it could go either way. They, they I would be shocked if they didn't like it. Hold on, if I'm, they did, that's we're, we're uh, actually I don't want to say anything. Miguel has to bleep out. <laughs> <laughs> but I was also going to say also I, th- I think I've recommended this for too but uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man like if you're yeah. if you want to talk about a movie about uh, bodies and machinery 
there's nothing That's like it. Fucking Iron Man. Oh, uh, they talk about how the uh, old right hijacked Alita. They said that they liked the movie, but they're like scared of the fan. Fuck off. Where did where did this right wing oh, Alita thing grow come a from? It's spine. It, it sounds like, like, like something. It literally like, it the right wing thing came from like this fake culture where I was talking about where it's like, well, we the good people like Captain Marvel. Yeah. So obviously. The enemy of Captain Marvel in this time is Alita. Frame, in terms of yeah. female-led blockbusters is Alita, which obviously those fans must all be alt-right trolls. Which, by the way, the Alita army, the most harmless group of people you I have ever encountered online. Like, yeah, um, they're truly well, they're just all like, trans, apparently. So I don't know how you can <laughs> yeah. argue they're the, the, the wing chuds. I have one guy who follows me on Twitter who just like will chime in, reply to one of my posts every couple of weeks to just just whatever I'm talking about. He'll just be like. You know, yeah, and, and this probably happened because they haven't made the Alita sequel yet. Ha ha. <laughs> let's let's it's fucking awesome. go. Shout, so I love him. He's so cool. We can, guy. We're gonna we're uh, gonna save. So we're gonna form like the 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 counter NATO uh, the f- fucking uh, Warsaw Pact. Um, <laughs> uh, we're gonna get the Snyder guys, the woke Snyder guys on board. It's so cool that. Fucking Zack Snyder personally hired a trans woman to write the lore for his new sci-fi movie, and like th- nobody's mad about it. Like, the, like six people, six of like the like right wing like counter fandom guys like tried to say shit and just immediately got dogpiled by like Snyder guys. I I feel so vindicated for being like the the Zack Snyder fascist thing is stupid because it's it's really panned yeah, it's out dumb. empirically yeah. the last couple yeah. of years. It is going to be. It's going to be so funny in like like 6 6 years from now when like Disney has gone like full right wing because they 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 like uh, they they saw the charts they like all right the like minor left le- like left liberal leaning pivot that we did by putting black people in our movies uh failed horribly so uh and, and, and not because they put black people in the movies, just because the movies were bad. Uh, yeah, and, but that's not how they think. But that's they, not they how just they just look at exactly. like the, look at the ingredients in the, the formula. Exactly. Yeah, and so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do like a like a right wing like they're gonna make like a Punisher movie again. They'll make like a fucking like I don't know all the like Shadow the Hedgehog brand of characters are gonna be the new. <laughs> Like MC, <laughs> you know, they'll probably do another Ghost Rider, um, all that, all that kind of shit. Uh, you they, know? They'll do like a new, they'll do the thing where it's like a new young guy becomes a new Captain America and he's just like an XB for Elliot Rocker. That, that's what they did in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show is they had like the, the like right wing Captain America and he's like kind of the bad guy, but I'm pretty sure he's getting a redemption arc in the new like fake Suicide Squad movie they're doing because he's in that. Okay. Yeah, but that's uh, we should probably wrap up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got, I got, I, I don't know if I can keep doing this. The, the reading all the, but you know what? Just, Talk just the new ball. ones. Just so just, we're gonna. So every, we've got so many patrons now. For the time being, we're just gonna be thanking the the new subscriptions since the last episode. Uh, let us know if we missed you, and then we'll work out uh, something else uh, down the road. We do have a, yeah. a credits page if you go to the podcast site and look at the banner. <laughs> Thank you to Gabriel Perez, Paul, SKM, Carlos, Quinn Ballas, Matthew Palmieri, Rotoscope Bitch, uh, Max Kinek Crispin, Claire Johnson, John Lequette Telly, uh, Sam Franklin, Bird Brain, 
and Lane's World 25. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, thank you all so much. For throwing us a bag. Yeah. You, you, all, you are all amazing. And you help us get guests like Esther on the podcast. You are helping make a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Uh, yeah thank you, Esther, so much for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure. Hey, Love to have, have you on plugs? again sometime. Oh, thank yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I mean, well, I. I I assume that everyone who's listening to this probably knows what Get Cynical is and those good old-fashioned values. Um, maybe I, I'm wrong. I'm actually surprised. Wait. We have like a, a TGLP <laughs> super fan in the chat. She's normally pretty active on the server. I'm I'm kind of sad that she didn't get to see you in the booth uh, because Aww. I think she was just talking about how excited or she is that like uh the new like take, get take a cynical. screen cap of the of the lit of the guest list yeah. for this channel oh wait hold on oh, we're just on. gonna we're just gonna add her oh no i guess she i guess she must have literally missed like the esther is in the recording channel announcement by like straight up like four minutes that's crazy oh when the episode comes out for a um, couple of these guests we're gonna have to like fucking record like away from the server so that you guys can't see who, which guest we're getting <laughs> i do like that they're able to poke their faces up against the you know, up against the glass <laughs> we're zoo animals i i do want to i do want to say by the way before i before i forget my other podcast is called the lost broadcast i do that with my wife hannah um it's every month we talk about a tv show that tried and failed to be like the show lost um that ripped it off and got swiftly canceled we just did an episode on the show flight 29 down if anyone remembers that discovery oh my Kids god gem. i do yeah i, I <laughs> listened to i listened one. to the the first episode their podcast is very funny thank you yeah, I've been enjoying that one because I remember when all those shows came out and my parents tried watching all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're having a lot of fun with that. You can go to, uh, if you're listening to this, you can go to twitter.com slash lostbroadcasts for more info on that and uh, listen to the show because it's really fun. Links in the description. In fact, uh, I believe their Patreon just went live. So if you have, if you have, a oh yeah, sense, give them a throw. We did, yeah. yeah. Throw, throw some, some dollar bills. Yeah, exactly. Some, some of your, Please the, do, the, yeah. don't go to the strip club, use that money and, and give it to Esther. Uh, <laughs> and, and also we can fund, uh, give it to, give it to women, Harvey. but respectfully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're yeah, like, by, by giving money for Alita too. Exactly. <laughs> we're like, ten these podcast Patreons, they just keep popping up, you know? <laughs> In but, fact, uh, actually, I heard that there was actually no. This is probably not a good bit for the main episode. No, we'll, we'll save that. it for a Patreon bit. <laughs> Subscribe to the Patreon, get the illegal bits, yeah. the stuff they don't want you to hear. Uh, but thank you again, <laughs> Esther, for coming on. Thank you, all of our thank listeners you. and supporters. It really does mean a lot. Uh, it really, uh, it's 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 going it's going to help get through the holidays for sure. Uh, and uh, have a great night. And uh, if you haven't, go check out uh, Alita Battle Angel. It will make you want to be a beautiful fighting girl. Yeah. Exactly. Bye. Bye. Hell yeah. Bye. Bye.
Look, shout we're... out to Jim. Hi, Jim. Shout out to Jim. Hi, Jim. 